Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Chinese state media threatened that China, the PLA, would shoot down Nancy Pelosi's plane if she tried going to Taiwan. And Chinese state media is CCP, which is effectively their government. So I didn't want to put a headline being like China literally said they do it. It's Chinese news that's saying they're going to do it. But it's basically the propaganda mouthpiece for the Chinese Communist Party. Maybe it's all bluster, but Pelosi's trip to Taiwan is uh, well, it's shaking things up. The U.S. has redeployed a strike group into the South China Sea. So naturally, tensions are hot and maybe it's meaningless. Maybe it'll just be more bluster or maybe it's start of something serious because I don't know. There is conversation about the fourth turning. We got that to talk about. We also got the House just passed an assault weapons ban. Uh. Now it's expected to go it's, it, to just collapse in the Senate 50 50. So we'll see. And there's the filibuster. So it's probably not going to go anywhere. We'll talk about that. And then um, Tucker Carlson. Oh, Tucker. He said he wants to rename, or no, he literally said he did a poll and they renamed monkeypox to schlong COVID. Huh. Well, everybody's mad. They're saying Tucker is homophobic for doing it. A lot of people find it funny. We'll talk all about that. Before we get started, my friends, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member if you would like to help support our work and get access to our uncensored after hours show. And in that, I will lightly address a little bit about last night. Um, simply put, uh, a guest said something that you can't say. That's it's just it's that simple. Uh, I posted on YouTube. The issue was YouTube censorship censorship policies. We took the show down. There's a an hour long members only show where we talk about a ton of things, not just that. I don't want people to think that the full explanation is just the members only. But the issue is, well, I can't repeat what was said. We try to avoid highlighting these things. So we don't put targets on our back. But I, I know that people want some kind of explanation. So we are exacerbating the problem by addressing it live, but that's a reality. And, um, you know, I'll just say, uh, for people wondering, you know, like, why don't you just go live again or why not? It's like, okay, well, after the show goes down, we have to figure out what's going on with the guests. We have to figure out where they're going, what we're going to do. And considering the volatility of, of everything, I was just like, we, we're not just going to restart this because, you know, well, I mean, I'll put it this way. Every guest is given the, the, the walkthrough of like, look, this is a live show broadcast to hundreds of thousands of people reaching over a million people every night. And you need to treat what you say like you would any other live show. And I think because of the relaxed nature of it, some people don't. And so I'll, I'll just, you know, fully come out and say it like it's been a stressful couple of weeks and having that happen, I was just like ready to pass out right here. And so when we did the members only segment, it's because people pay for a members only segment. I'm not going to not deliver that for people who have already paid. We have a lot of members. And it was it was really chill and easy just to like to riff. And if you watch the members only thing, you'll see me basically just venting about the stresses that we're dealing with. So, uh, you know, long story short, if someone comes on the show and, you know, we give everybody like a 10 minute spiel about like, you, you like, here are the things that you will get knocked down for. Here's how, you know. Like that we're not saying 
for the most part, like don't say things, you know, like we even tell people they're allowed to swear, just try not to. But if someone comes out and overtly says something and there's nothing I can do about it, it's just like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We, uh, because we're idiots, we actually don't have this, but we should like any other live show. (laughs) There's normally a, 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 a simple app that creates a lag between the video as it's recorded and then what goes live. And all the producer has to do is just press the button and it just snips the frames. So if someone says something super egregious, like a threat, they can just press a button and then it just disappears and the show keeps going. So that's what we're working on. And truth be told, something we should have had a long time ago, but we're like, I don't know, just winging it this whole time in case you haven't realized. So uh, that's that's the me addressing to the best of my abilities. We we go into greater detail and the members only thing, but only because we're kind of venting. It was it was Brett Dasevic. It was uh, Andy, who's our, our CTO and uh, us just kind of talking about life and stuff. And uh, yeah, it is what it is, I suppose. But we're going to talk about news. And uh, also we're going to talk about the apocalypse because Vegas flooded. Hmm. And uh, there's apocalypse talk uh, we, we can have. So joining us tonight is Ben Stewart. What's up, everybody? Ben Stewart. You can go to benjosephstewart.com where I give you the news, but I also get into alternative topics such as mind-bending practices, psychedelics, and alternative history. So go over to benjosephstewart.com. I also, on my YouTube channel, Ben Joseph Stewart, uh, you can find I put out weekly news show and um, do <clears throat> Thursdays podcast 5 p.m eastern every thursday live with some amazing people all the way from ufc fighters to people in the psychedelic movement so check it out right on. awesome to be back lauren's back i am i'm back you know who i am <laughs> lauren southern also known by the audience uh hopefully lovingly as paper cup pappy girl but we drank it all with ned last night so tonight we drank it the- all all of it at the Paper Cup Bar. We're going to be having some <laughs> Patron. Grand Patron. Grand Patron, not just Patron. And we're going to be mixing Manuka honey in it. <laughs> we're getting fancy over here at the Paper Cup Bar. That's $600 honey. Yes. Lauren's what? like, how, ca- how expensive can I make a Paper Cup drink? And I was like, well, that costs $600. We're going to keep up in the ante every show. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I was saying, I, I, I feel like honey in Grand Patron probably would be really good. I think yeah. it's okay. I might mix you a paper cup too mm-hmm. here. You can do that, and I will take it. Yes. <laughs> it is Friday. From the paper you cup said manuka honey here. is not the best tasting. I, it's bitter. Yeah, it's like it's like expensive imported Australian medicinal honey. That is like the most medicinal uh, manuka I've ever seen, and it's also the bitterest so manuka I've ever. So you tasted. take this rectally, right? <laughs> oh gosh, absolutely. <laughs> what you're telling me is I'm making myself a health drink. Yes, mm-hmm. that's, that's what, what I'm you're getting. Me. Well, actually, alcohol. My understanding is in in small amounts is good for you. It lowers cortisol. Uh, so, you know, I wonder if so this is going to be, um, good for me after we did that legal, like heroin medicine that you made me have today, NAD, NAD whatever that was, we, we hooked Lauren up to the NAD and she was groaning and screaming. That was the, honestly the most painful it's thing I've ever horrible. done. In my life. It hurts. Yeah. It's I, great. Easily. It's up there. What Lauren's was it? How would you casual. explain the feeling? Well, Tim said it was like going to be like period pain, which I don't know. No, how Tim I didn't knows say that. Period pain is that was like, not no. me. Who said <laughs> him, no. Not, no, that's I said if that's what period pain is, y'all got nothing to complain not, about. No. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's way worse. And no. I don't know how you weren't. You were playing video games the whole time, as I couldn't yeah, even I move. I was. Oh, and you know what? Okay, you guys need to understand this. Tim just sends me a message saying, "Hey, want to do NAD on Twitter?" And I have no idea what it is. And I thought it was like a show or something that he started. And I didn't want to be like, "Oh, I don't know what that is." So I just <laughs> say, "Cool, yeah, sure, man." You got it. 
buddy. Yeah, you got it. I show up and they have like needles everywhere and You're a like, nurse. No. And I'm everywhere. Like, yeah, what is happening here? Little do I know I'm about to be hooked up to an actual torture device for yeah, two it's hours. Pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Groaning. Oh my gosh. I don't know how you do that, man. And 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 I got it. I got it. I'm sorry, Lauren, but you went slow. Like Rogan talks about how he cranks it up to full full speed and slams it in 20 minutes. So for those aren't familiar, it's nicotinamide adenide dinucleotide. It's like it's what your body turns B vitamins into, and it's like it's like a it's like a rejuvenation thing you can get. And uh, Joe Rogan talks about it quite a bit. Apparently, he like smokes pot and then just cranks it all the way up, but it's painful. So they give you painkillers. I my, my explanation is it feels like you turned around and there's a bear. Like that feeling you get when an adrenaline rush hits you, that, but for like an hour and a half or two hours. It's excruciating. Yeah, it feels like the top of the roller coaster when you're going down and it just doesn't stop. And your whole stomach is just doing that churn thing repeatedly. I have never, I can rarely remember any points in my life where I've like yelled at a nurse and been like, stop it. (laughs) No, 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 Make it stop. You went, you were like, crank it up. And the nurse was like, no, I don't want to do that. And you were like, do it. And she was like, I'll do it a little bit. And then you went, ah. <laughs> you got to know. And then Lauren was like, are there only two settings, zero and 100? <laughs> I actually had like a, a proper panic attack when I saw her leave because I can't move. Like I, I like literally couldn't move my body. And I'm like, I'm going to be trapped in this hell. And she's gone. And there's no one that can turn this down. Dude. Well, well anyway, so Lauren's here. And she's treating it with uh, some, some Grand Patron this is and Manuka honey. This is the funniest thing because it's like it's a vitamin drip. You get like B vitamins and, and it's like hydrating. So like afterwards, I feel great. We had we had hibachi, grilled meat and sushi. And Lauren's like, I'm going to drink. It's uh, NAD is a precursor to a protein that's called – there's sirtuins. There's these proteins your body has. And the protein measures the amount of energy in your cell. So when your cell divides – this protein, these sirtuins want to make sure there's enough energy in both of the new cells. If there's not, then they have to clip off at the end caps of the chromosomes to compensate. And that's what they call aging. So having enough of these proteins because of the NAD as a precursor will. the longevity thing? Yeah, accuracy. It supposedly it reverses and reduces aging. Uh, yeah, so you can do two things as a rich, famous person. You can torture children for adrenochrome or whatever it's called, or you can do yeah. NAD. So I'm pretty sure you guys can know that NAD. Tim's doing the eternal life the proper way, not killing children. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> There's a lot of research out of Harvard on it, and they'll mix it with intermittent fasting, um, berberine, or like, uh, what's it, metformin as a diabetes mm-hmm. medicine but the berberines, the plant they, they derive that from, and resveratrol. And they've even had experiments on, like, dogs, and they find, like, life extension in dogs and stuff. Fascinating. So you look young. So Lauren's here. I'm here. Sorry, that was a very long introduction. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. I didn't get the NAD, but I am Ian Crossland. Also happy to be here. Let's talk. Yeah, NAD is a trip. I'm glad Lauren survived, and we have her here with us again tonight. I'm excited to talk about the apocalypse. Let's go. All right. So uh, over at the Daily Mail, they reported it. Uh, let me read the headline. China says it will shoot Pelosi's plane down if she travels to Taiwan wow. under U.S. fighter escort. Speaker refuses to confirm trip. Quote, if U.S. fighter jets escort Pelosi's plane to Taiwan, it is an invasion. Hu Shijin, a commentator for the Chinese state affiliated Global Times, wrote on Twitter, the PLA has the right to force, forcibly dispel Pelosi's plane. And the U.S. fighter jets, including firing warning shots and making tactical movements of obstruction. If ineffective, then shoot them down, who said. Wow. Pelosi has not confirmed reports she will travel to Taiwan. But the other news is that the U.S. has sent a carrier and a strike group to the South China Sea 
So it does seem like things are escalating a bit. Ladies and gentlemen, it is apocalypse night here. Las Vegas flooded. There's like war with China. There was an op-ed in the New York Times that said Pelosi's trip to, to Taiwan is too dangerous. So I'm wondering if you guys, what do you guys think about this? I, I do kind of feel like China's bluster. Come on. Some some CCP state media guy saying he's going to shoot down Pelosi. Yeah, right. Yeah, you said at the top of the shows this is not the CCP. They said it was a it was a news media organization. No, no, no. This is the CCP. Oh, I thought you said it came out of the news media. It, so so my point is, if you have a company in China, it's the CCP. Oh, that I agree with. Yeah, if, but this wasn't but, like the no, party. But this, this is state propaganda. State propaganda. So what I want to be careful of, it's not Xi Jinping, the government or the military, the PLA coming out and saying, we will shoot you down. It's their propaganda arm saying, mm. we have a right to shoot at you. And if if it doesn't stop you, we will sh- we can shoot you and down. And they also, this says that they'll shoot at her plane if she goes there. But then later in the thing, it says, we'll shoot at her plane if she brings fighter escorts. So right. that's a different situation. If she just goes in without escorts, maybe there's not. Saber rattling. Or, yeah. or the fourth turning. Totally the fourth turning. Actually, what was it? Tony Robbins just had on, <clears throat> who's the surviving one? William Strauss? Or oh, Neil yeah, Howell. Hyde theory. One of them died. Yeah. yeah, one of them died, but the other one was just talking with Tony Robbins, and it's getting getting kind of real in this fourth turn. But apparently, it ends twenty twenty eight. It's Neil Howe's the one that's still alive. Yeah, if, yeah. It, if it ends twenty twenty eight, we're in it. So I don't know. Twenty twenty six is. I, I've heard twenty twenty six is when things are going to get absolutely bonkers. I just did a, a piece on this on my YouTube where um, two hundred. I think it was Glub. I forget, like Sir John Glub. He studied empires, the rise and the fall of them, <clears throat> and he said that 2020 or 250 years is the maximum lifespan of a country. United States will turn 20, uh, 250 years in 2026. Mm-hmm. So that kind of coincides with that. I even wrote down some other things. We meet all the criteria for an empire in decline, like, you know, massive complexity that just seems unsustainable, um, supposedly climate, deforestation, environmental degradation. And then changing relations between friendlies and um, and foes, or, or heightening tensions between them. And there's there's other things in there. Oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, cultural collapse, uh, uh, wastefulness, a lack of decorum. Decadence. I mean, like yeah, decadence. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, like basement uh, of the currency. Like like imagine like a young woman pouring expensive honey into a paper cup with really expensive <laughs> liquors. <laughs> Right, Making that's shows based wow. around it. Yeah. decadence. What an animal! And you, there's there's one other funny thing when going back through like uh, Rome all the way through many other empires. Apparently, in the late stages of it, um, they all seem to highlight uh, chefs. They they make celebrities out of their chefs. Oh, I read that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just some because weird anomaly. No, I, I, yeah, man, I wonder if there's like an emergent phenomenon around food and chefs and like so much. Well, you're, you're so comfortable. You're entertained by taking food to the most extreme levels. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pure gluttony. And then also turning like animals into babies. Mm. Like how many times have you seen little dogs mm. in like cradles, like all dressed up and everything? That's got to be a sign of an empire in decline. Yeah. yeah. The, the chef celebrities and baby pets. I noticed like when I watch <laughs> these survival videos of people like carving, building their own house with their axe and stuff, and then it'll cut to them like frying really crappy spam or something in a pan and then like cooking and eating it. And I'm like, this is not appetizing. Why is this part of the video of them like cutting up their meat? I guess it's like people want to know what it's like to live out in the woods and hunt and cook your own stuff. But 
That's it's, that's like the opposite of decline. Like watching a video of some super ripped dude killing a deer and then eating it. But this will be like he opens a can of tuna and then has some carrots, like frozen carrots, and he'll be cooking it in a pan. Okay, so that's what, well, that's this is like that's, chef in decline. That's post-apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is like celebrity chef. The real, type stuff. The yeah, real that's chef <laughs> is making the cakes that you can't distinguish yes. from like oh my objects God. where they're <laughs> like, oh. I could cut this right now and it could be a cake. So and you just don't isn't know. that a Netflix show? It is. Yeah. yeah. Are you serious? Have you seen the video where the guy he's watching the the videos of people like cutting a shampoo bottle and cake? And he looks shocked, and then he like grabs his phone and squeezes it. And it's cake. Oh, no. and he freaks out, and then he like grabs his TV remote and squeezes it. And it's cake, and he starts ah. panicking. And then he looks down at his butt, and he grabs his butt, and it's cake. And it's like, ah. Can't that was trust really funny. anything. Yeah, everything is cake. Everything is why, cake. Why? Why are they Let's highlight chefs? What's up with this? I, I think I think Tim's on to something there. That um, I forget. It wasn't John Perkins. It was somebody else that was saying like. There's this feeling in whether it's a nation or an empire that like times were great, we were great, but no one's feeling it anymore. Uh, like there's there's another one, mercenaries. When you have to start fighting, you know, hiring mercenaries for fighting your wars for you, mm-hmm. like the 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 god and country isn't working anymore. Then and same thing with the bread and circuses. I think it's part of the whole chef thing is part of the bread and circuses ben, thing. Did you see that they're having serious problems recruiting people for the military? They've lowered the education standard. They've lowered the fitness standard. We're going to have wars fought by mercenaries in no time. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt that. Actually, what's interesting, I was in the military from 2000 to 2006. Mm-hmm. And everyone that I, like when I got basically to my unit – Everyone was saying like, yeah, you know, you kind of went through the, you know, the, the, the piece of cake boot camp where they can't touch you, they can't hit you, they can't push you. And like, you didn't need to do, you know, even half as much of the running as we needed to. So even back then, about 20 years ago, apparently it was like a, a, a shell of what it used to be, boot camp. Interesting. We had Blackwater fighting a huge part, or at least if not fighting the war in the Middle East, they were like functioning as administration for a lot of them. I mean, that's mercenary mm-hmm. work. Well, look, look look at Ukraine. American citizens are on the ground in Ukraine, but the U.S. is like, we didn't send them there. Right. They're not officially ours. And it's mm-hmm. like an international cohort of individuals fighting this war. But So you said countries got 250 years, but what about like France, which had 900,000 years? Well, it's empires. It's not countries. It's empires. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, other France empires are still around, you know, other yeah. like Great Turkey Britain exists. still around. You know, but, but has the U.S. been an empire for 250 years? It hasn't. Well, not not an empire, and that's a good point because uh, 17. I don't I don't know when they start the clock either. Right. When you are officially an empire, because I know 1776. I guess you wouldn't have called the United States an empire. No. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't until I think like the 1900s that the U.S. went totally empirical. Hmm. I mean, yeah, Federal Reserve. Even who was that? Who was that guy that everybody hates? Woodrow Wilson. Oh man, yeah, yeah everybody hates that guy, right? It really, it was like after World War II, they realized if we don't become an, a world order um, in, in empire, whatever, that we're going to have World War Three. So they were like liberal economic order, which you could call an empire. Um, we got military bases all over the earth. Sign of the an liberal empire. international economy. Yes, yeah, the lie. Like the oh, lie yeah. was established in 1946. It's it's also this is a different world than all the other empires when we were, you know, like mapping out this 250 year lifespan as well. Where I mean, when you're talking about nations and empires, you're also talking about like major economic blocks, like transnational economic blocks. I also want to point out, it, isn't it that empires last 250 years on average? Is it? 
Well, I mean, the Soviet Union lasted 69 years. Yeah. And that was massive. I mean, they were spreading all over the planet. Remnants still exist in some fashion today. The U.S., I mean, I wonder if the 250 years thing is, is based upon the extent of communications without uh, electronics, right? So all of these big empires communicated through letter delivery, carrier, horseback. Now we have rapid communication. That, that causes things to evolve much more quickly. Mm-hmm. Especially now with the internet and social media, it's just ramping up faster than... So, I mean, you think about uh, Franz Ferdinand, right? He gets shot. How long did it take for everyone to find out? Probably not that long relative to now, but it was lightning speed relative to previous conflicts. Telegraph, radio, word went out to their countries really quickly. But how long did it take for regular people to find out? Yo, if we had something like that happen today, it'd be on social media the moment it happened, everyone would see it. So it's even faster. That that anger, that animosity, the conflict can spread instantly across ev- across every person. So you think about the conflicts we've had in this country. Sentiment for civil war, right? In the United States. How long did it take for an idea to go from one person to everyone in a city to make it from New York to, you know, Illinois or to, you know, down to Florida? Like those ideas to change and then create rifts probably took a really, really long time. Well, you look at like, the first Persian empire. And one of the biggest reasons they collapsed internally was because of all of these internal rifts they were having, rebellions, they were taking slaves and bringing them into their military and making them mercenaries, as we were talking about. And now, because of technology, like you're saying, we're having this ramping up of that kind of stuff and rebellions, like Black Lives Matter internally causing rebellion within the U.S., all of these. And then we also have information that shows us that you have Russia, China, potentially pumping money into these internal rebellions that we're facing in the West. And you're right. We're going to have basically a repeat of what caused a lot of these past empires to collapse on crack because of the oh, technological. Fentanyl. Yeah. It's the waiting I can't stand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just bring it the on. Like 20, I, 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 Ian's talking about a guy in the woods, like cracking open an old can of tuna and putting carrots in it. And I'm like, sounds pretty good. <laughs> this is not can't bad. wait. <laughs> I wonder if this is actually an American empire or if it's just the British empire masked with the American military. Cause you know, that's British part of empire it. is actually an empire. That's part of it. There's also like a math equation. This one guy, it was an old Ted talks, but he was saying like, even in a back, uh, bacterial Petri dish, uh, dish mismatches between resources and consumption cause, um, things like five generations in before the, or before the decline, um, it's the population is doubling every single uh, generation and then five generations before the decline, um, the food declines by 15 sixteenths, the next generation by three fourths um, and it's empty in the next generation uh, or in the next generation is about half. And then the following generation is the mathematical conclusion of it. I don't know if that if that petri dish is a one-on-one parallel to what we're dealing with, but well, so you, you've heard that uh, wealth lasts three generations. They say, right? The first generation is you know comes up, figures it out, works hard, and then has that within them. This individual, they have kids. Those kids learn a lesson from the the first generation. They inherit the wealth, and they know a little bit enough to kind of just sort of maintain it. Now you have another generation, and they're learning a lesson about a lesson. It's a, it's a, it's a copy of a copy. And so by the third generation, they're, they have no idea how the empire was built. They have no idea how to start a company. They don't have the same life lessons. So I, I have to think about this too. You know, I hear stories about P 
people who they're like, I was a college dropout and I was poor and I worked hard. And then now they have kids and those kids are children of the wealthiest people on the planet. They're not going to learn the same lesson. Mm-mm. Like Steve Jobs was homeless. He was like sleeping on couches and floors. And then he was he, he had that fire within him and ruthlessness. Let's be real. His kids, you know, I don't know. I'm assuming he has kids, but like the children of these people don't have that. They grew up in luxury. Totally. I know it's like such a tired analogy, the good men, bad times thing, but they've got another Arab parable that's like just like what you're talking about, where it's like, I'll ride a camel. My son will ride will ride in a Toyota. His son will ride in a Ferrari. And then his son will ride a camel. And there's a reason that these parables exist, though. The good men, hard times, whatever. It's because it's just what happens every damn time. And humanity keeps trying to tell us we've lived this story a billion times. But all right, guys, good luck. Do it again. Have fun. That's like, why I'm saying, like, <laughs> when I have kids, like, I'm going to kick them out at three years old and be like, here's a bandana. A, tr- a trowel, a pack of seeds, and a pointy stick. <laughs> good luck, son. Maybe a match. If, you know, if no, but good. but in all seriousness, what we do is we take the newborn and we put him in the woods for a day. And if he survives, he's strong enough to join the tribe. So true. Yeah, I think true. That's, that's some that George Carlin Spartan. logic. No, no, right that there. was the Spartans, I think. Yeah, they did that, right? Mm-hmm. If the baby didn't survive, like, out in the wilderness, it wasn't strong like, enough. Well. And then, you know, nothing crazy like that. But I certainly think you got to teach, I mean, like, hard labor. Like good manual labor chores, lifting stuff, shoveling, mowing the lawn. You got to teach kids, you know, that those kind of lessons. Yeah. Should we let the cat in? Smoke so. is screaming. It's bucko time. Why is he trying to? <gasps> Does the cat know. get to join the show? It's because Ian started giving him water and now he's coming on the show every time. <laughs> I'm getting some. Let's talk. Like, let's, let's, let's pull up this next story here and, and talking about the decline. We got this from TimCast.com. Boy. U.S. House passes first assault weapons ban since 1994. Laughable, stupid, and a waste of time. And apparently some Republicans even joined in to support the Democrats banning nothing. Bill makes no sense. No one knows. Yeah, so I think this is a really good example, not of disarmament, right? A lot of people are saying they're trying to, you know, I think Luke tweeted this. They're going to try and disarm you for their depopulation agenda or something. And I'm like, no, Mm. I think it's, it's nonsense. It's logicless. They're not doing anything. This bill bans half It'll like Thomas Massey pointed this out. The mini 14 receiver is banned, but the mini receiver, mini 14 receiver is also not banned in the same bill and, and, and verbatim. So Massey points out the mini 14 with a pistol grip and a, and a collapsing stock is an assault weapon. So it's banned. The receiver of any such weapon is also banned, but the mini 14 with a rifle stock is not banned. And the receiver of any such weapon is not banned. And so he points out, he's like, so how is the identical receiver both banned and not banned? And they have no answer. Mm-hmm. They literally just don't answer it. It's all political moves. It's like, obviously, I'm in Canada, but right after you had the shooting in Texas at the school, Trudeau came out and banned um, transfer and sale of handguns mm-hmm. or proposed a ban the next day. Freeze, and it's like, yeah. wh- wh- why? You're, we're talking about a shooting in another country using a gun that's already banned in our country, and you're going to put a freeze on sale of a handgun that are rarely used for shootings in Canada at all, where we don't have a problem with this, completely political. And it seems like the U.S. are doing that too, even though sometimes I feel like you guys have better laws around guns, better understanding. And then every time I think that, your politicians go and do um, stuff like this. I just got to say it. Every time Trudeau does a press conference, he's, it sounds like he's trying, to, like he's talking to somebody who's about to rape. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm not trying to be like when he was like, 
keep your voice down. We need down. to ban all the guns. It's like, it's, it's, the, it's the voice someone has when they're grabbing the woman, like, just relax. Let me do this. Put down I'm the taking, weapon, lady. The, yeah, I'm taking your gun away from you. <laughs> and then, and then it's funny because you guys, you guys up in Canada banned guns, like, around the same time it was like Uvalde, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trudeau announces they're freezing handgun sales, and it was obvious it was in response to a U.S. news story. But he also had previously complained up in Canada that, Canada with with a trucker protest is that American politics are seeping into Canada. <gasps> so true. Yeah, so and then true. he comes out and it's like, come on, dude, spare me. I think this assault weapons ban is a perfect example of what the Democrats are. They will they 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 have no logic to their to their morals. It's like we're, we're all trying to figure out what is what are the rules and how do we live together. Among the Democrats and most of the left, it's just pure tribalism. So they're like, we're banning guns. Excellent. Does it make sense? Who cares? As long as you agree with thing. Current thing. Current year, current thing. If there's a bill that is proposing to both ban and not ban something, you've got to discard that stupid bill or at least remove that section from the bill before you can move forward. You can't even vote yes or no on something like that. It's going to be really funny when someone gets arrested with a mini 14 receiver and then they like sue and they're like, well, what's the logic there? Is the logic that if it says it's not banned... But then it says it is banned, therefore it is banned. You know what I mean? Like the negative is stronger than the positive or something. How does that, how does this even work? I don't think they care. Yeah, I don't works. think they care. <laughs> no, I want to point something out too, because um, I think we have this tweet from Ian. Let me see if I can find it. I don't know where mm-hmm. it's at. Yeah, here we go. This is perfectly in line with what we're talking about. Check this out. Ron Filipowski, uh, what was it named? Filipkowski says, Lauren Boebert wants the House to pass a rule to give her five days to read a bill before voting on it. He didn't say much after that. He just said this thing. But you'll notice a lot of the comments are people saying like, this is ridiculous. I can, you know, I can read a book in a day. But then Ian chimed in. Ian, of course, you should read it. It's your tweet. Yeah, it should be a felony for congressmen to vote on a bill they have not read. I want them under oath acknowledging they've read the bill before voting. Yeah. Interestingly, when Ian chimed in with that one, then you get some unity. Everyone's like, yeah, actually, that makes sense. But the crazy thing to me is, there are so many people responding to Ron Filipkowski just making fun of Lauren Boebert for, for saying something that is quite possibly the most logical and bipartisan thing ever. Yeah, I was actually very pleased with the response to this because, like, Ron has a Ukraine flag in his profile. So there was a part of me that was like, oh, geez, should I just assume he's some zealot? And it's like, you know what? What he said is just neutral. I'm going to respond neutrally. And then people in the comments, you see people with Ukraine flags saying, yes, this is actually a great idea. You see people that are like, I'm a Christian conservative. This is a great idea, like I said in their profile. So you, it's it's just a it's an American idea. And I think it's an idea that that justifies or that supports like liberty uh you cannot have ignorance in Lauren's congress right. i mean that's just it's, it's, it's just absolutely it. at least five days at least. i'm shocked that that wasn't a rule beforehand I like know. the idea that they're passing these absolutely Disturbing. critical rules for your country and it's like not oh, even it's a worse. few days to decompress and think about it it's no worse. we're not even maybe they can read it in one day great can they think about it and really weigh the moral consequences of the stuff they're putting into your nation it's mm. worse than you realize because marjorie taylor green pointed out to us there's a giant cat butthole on the camera by the way marjorie what are <laughs> good you good job buddy marjorie taylor green pointed out that oftentimes when they're passing bills they don't even yeah. have anybody in the room It'll yeah. be like three Democrats and three Republicans and someone who's not even the speaker will be like, oh, we got a bill here. It says this. And they go, eh, oh, it passes. And so what they've been doing is the Freedom Caucus has like a watch 
where they go down and call it's they, they they call for like a roll call vote or something where they got to force all the members of Congress to come back in and actually vote on these bills. Actually do their job. Actually, yeah, but they're still not reading them. Mm-hmm. That's, That's the crazy, crazy thing. Absolutely unconscionable. And people have pointed out in this Twitter thread as well that this is something that should have been enshrined in the Constitution from day one. Just assumed that they would be reading the bills because that was their intention it was like, what? how could they never? How could they not? You know, it's. I would like to see a, I don't know if you guys have any knowledge of like, if you could compare, you know, the beginning of the U.S., how many bills were being proposed and passed at the start versus now. I reckon it's like a mass ramp up oh, of yeah. stuff. Cause it's super easy to just like roll out that rug, right? Oh, we can just pass and do things every single day, but it's super hard to roll it back. And I don't think things were initially like the constitution was put in place for a country operating like this, where it's like ADHD. Let's just pass things and propose things all over the place every day and not even think about it and well, have this 24 hour news cycle where it's like bam, 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 bam. They also put like a thousand things in one bill. Yeah, they so do. they'll call it, they'll maybe they have less bills now than they used to, but that's because they've got 500 times the amount of stuff in each bill. Yeah. But let's, let's go back to what, uh, you know, we were just talking about a moment ago, the collapse of an empire. There, there's, there's certainly no country when the members of Congress are more concerned with fundraising phone calls than reading the bills. Laws are being passed that no one even knows about. The, the omnibus spending bill gets brought in in a, like a, like a wagon, like, a, like, it's like a red, w- w- they brought it in like a, on a, on a wagon, 5,000 pages. Mm-hmm. So when your country's doing that, uh, I'll put it this way. Ladies and gentlemen, our members of Congress don't read the bills. They're not there to vote on the bills. There's a porous southern border. So first, we have no legislation. They're not actually doing their job. Next, we have no country. A nation with no border is not a country. That's how, that's how country is defined. A nation with defined borders. A nation is a, is a, a group of people with shared history, culture, and laws. We don't have shared laws anymore. Some states have disregarded half the laws. Sanctuary cities, sanctuary states. I gotta tell you, I don't, I, I think the U.S. is basically like someone took a figurative mountain and just splattered it all over the place. And now it's a big random hodgepodge of nonsense. So, I mean, look, the Constitution is Swiss cheese. Our politicians don't do their jobs. The Democrats are calling the Supreme Court illegitimate, even though they're functioning as the Constitution dictates. doesn't matter. None of it matters. Did you see how they're shipping um, illegal immigrants? They've been busing illegal immigrants from the southern border to D.C. and other big cities. Mm-hmm. And they just called in the National Guard in D.C. Miriam Mar- Bowser. Is it Miriam? Muriel. Muriel Bowser. Requested the uh, the National Guard to, to like four thousand immigrants. When I was in uh, Tapachula, I was meeting with a few immigrants that had been deported after a few years in D.C. in the states because a lot of them have their court cases in D.C. So they know, yeah, I'll cross the border and I might get kicked out because I have no standing. I'm I, I don't even qualify as an economic migrant. I don't qualify as anything. But they know that they'll have to be taken to D.C. to hear whatever case they have for a few years, and they'll get to have a good time there. This one guy I was speaking to was trying to get in, saying he was attacked by gangs, but half of them are actually part of gangs (laughs) and just try to use a bad experience they had with MS-13, despite being a part of it, to get in. And he's like, yep, I'm making my way back up again. At least I'll get to spend a few years in D.C., you know, waiting on my trial. Will be fun. You know, I'll get some food and board. Good time. I can't be mad about this because the cat crawled in my lap, and so I'm just, I'm, just, you know, peace. Yeah, yeah, it's like it the, the story should be really disconcerting and distressing, but I just, you kind of look like Doctor Evil though. Yeah, over I know. There. <laughs> just someone, someone, someone said, I, I went, "Good evening, Mister Bond. Yeah. I've been expecting you." <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, people more cats. Adopt a cat. <laughs> yes. One thing that's really interesting to look at. Oh, look at this guy. Um, Beyond cat conversations. <laughs> One thing that's really interesting to look at is there's, I think it's the Syracuse Institute that cover it. The level of uh, what judges allow migrants in versus which ones don't. You can look at some of the comparisons and there'll be some judges that accept like 99% of applicants and some that reject 99% and only accept 1%. It is actually just a game of luck. It's like going to a freaking casino, whether you're going to get in or not. Um, you can compare like female judges to male judges, which county they're in. And it is, has almost nothing to do with the application that these migrants put in or illegals put in and everything to do with the judge's feelings. Will there be people that come and try and get legal recourse? They get denied and then they just come back and try to go to a different get a, judge. Get a different judge basically. And they can get it in the I, next time. I'm concerned because what is the, the solution? Obvi- like globalization on some level is functionable you know we're we're expansionist by nature i think expanding liberal democracy americanism whatever the, the u.s constitution could be good but like how do you defend i know one way to defend a border that the the romans tried i mean it used to be pretty brutal and that's not soldiers yeah yeah weaponry like carrie carrie lake is talking about sending the national guard down to the border uh, declaring uh, an emergency uh, an invasion let me pull up this story here we got this from nbc washington uh ian just mentioned it a moment ago D.C. mayor requests National Guard to help with migrants bust to capital. A lot of people are laughing about it, saying it's like it's it's irony, it's funny, or Texas and Arizona's plan is working. Let me tell you something. Texas and Arizona could be busing the migrants back to where they came from, to their home countries. Sending them to D.C. is helping the Democrats and the Biden administration with their immigration agenda. They are basically saying, so so Texas is like, we're going to send these migrants to you, D.C., and then D.C. is like, thanks for the help. We're going to then distribute, you know, these people around the country where we see fit. What this means to is to places we don't live. It's true. <laughs> yeah. The way it's supposed to work, you get in line and say, I'd like to come to this amazing country. We say, let us figure it out and give you the best possible place so that everybody thrives. What the Democrats and the Biden administration are doing is they're saying, just let everybody come in and then we'll sort them out later. No rules, no rules, rules. And then Texas and Arizona are like, <laughs> We'll show you, Biden. We'll actually pay for the buses to send them into the country. Ha! And then people are laughing about it. And I'm like, dude, you're just helping them. They have Texas and Arizona could more easily. It is it is a longer bus ride to D.C. I feel like people on the right are being duped into thinking that plan was a good plan. There's a few things. I'm not so sure how it applies here, but I know when I was covering migration issues in Europe, one thing all the migrants would do is they would destroy their passports before coming in and touching ground in any European country because they had basically been told, well, if you don't have a passport, they don't know where they can deport you to. Hmm. And so there are some tactics that migrants will use to try to prevent deportation. So I'm not sure how difficult it is for these states to do that. Um, if they are trying to apply legally to get in but don't have standing – it would be much easier to deport them. But then if they're going in and like claiming asylum status, there still has to be some sort of court case, which is the problem because they still have to be held somewhere. Our, our goodwill is being taken advantage of. Yeah. People who are coming here are not asylum seekers. They're economic migrants. Yeah. I get it. I, I, I'll i tell you this. I have infinitely more respect for them for them, uh, than the modern American leftist that hates this country. But there still has to be a process for the sake of maintaining what this country is. If it's good, and I mean, our economy is not so good these days, but still better than other places, well, then there's a reason why it is, because there's a system in place. If people just come in, start ripping apart that system, you know, it's the decline of empire. I mean, actually, wasn't the Roman Empire dealing with uh, immigration? Hugely. Crisis? It was the it was the fall of the empire. It was all the northern uh, tri- 
like I don't know who was it the uh, not the Vandals people in the northeast, but basically after the the empire had spread all throughout the eastern and the western Roman empires, the the empire split in half. They but then it just like over the next two hundred years, people just kept pouring across the border, and then they would set up their new government, like their foreign government in Rome in the Roman territory. Then all of a sudden, you realize it's not Roman territory anymore because it's the, that other government is now yeah. running the show. Rome also had like bureaucratic complexity that wasn't sustainable past a certain point and part of that is like sound familiar yeah and kind of what you're talking about like when you're saying the culture is part of what holds a people together that's that's like the story it's the agreed upon story it also lends into why at first you don't need to hire mercenaries because the story is strong and people believe it and then after a while when you get a certain critical mass of burn it down this this place doesn't you know people in the country disrespecting the story of of the very country or the nation that's when it starts to come apart is when the belief that this is even a good thing that we're upholding and then what you were just mentioning about like at the beginning of the nation how many bills were being passed well it also feels like that the constitution was there to say like this is what the government is and and that's it right and then it just kept growing and growing and growing and then a lot of people they need to secure their you know, position. So keep passing bills, keep making your job position relevant. So that mm-hmm. complexity grows, not because I believe in it and I believe what this, this, you know, uh, nation could be, but a lot of it is self-preservation. So it builds this bureaucratic, bureaucratic complexity that just can't sustain for very long. A lot of people are uh, commenting saying I'm wrong. States don't have the authority to deport people. Only the federal government does. But I kind of, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know how that makes sense. I mean, I, 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 I accept that I may be wrong on that. I just mean like the states have to have the ability to be like, you just illegally entered, turn around and go away. You know what I mean? Is that a federal crime though? I mean, I guess, but Biden doesn't seem to care about it. So if you're, I mean, look, Carrie Lake's talk, at the very least, I'll put it this way, fine. Maybe they can't legally, but couldn't they just Anyway, I don't know. I don't understand. Well, they're they're getting steamrolled by the federal government on every single level. I mean, even w- before migrants are entering Texas, they are getting cash based interventions from the UN, whose number one funder is the United States and their government. Right. So American tax dollars are going to funding migrants' trip from South America and Mexico up to Texas, illegals trips. They're handing out these cards in Reynosa at migrant camps, debit cards from the UN wow. so that they can make it there. You can look this up on the Center for Immigration Studies. It's a real thing. Your tax dollars are directly going to funding illegal migrants' journey up into Texas. Okay, hold on, <laughs> hold on. You know, Ian, you talk about the fall of Rome a lot, right? And it seems like what happened with Rome was that migrants started coming in. What if... Our adversaries studying that said, here's a way to destroy a country. Started funding mass migration. But, but the U.S. is funding it. The U.S. are the number one, you know, funder to or- organizations like the U.N. who are giving the money to the migrants. So why are the U.S. destroying themselves? I don't understand. That's a great question. <laughs> and, and like, is the U.S. a singular thing any, anymore? Or is it, oh. or is it an organism attacking itself? 
Why is Tim smiling like that? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing all the comments people are making about Bucko. Oh, and it's just hilarious. Sorry. <laughs> he was giving this like ominous smile like he knew I'm something. Like, I'm petting the cat while smiling like, yes. <laughs> like you're yes, freaking the country, me out. <laughs> the country's going down the shit. No, people are posting like emojis and stuff in, in the chat and, and making jokes about Bucko. Yes, he's very pleased. Yeah, so Bucko doesn't seem to care. Law enforcement officers cannot arrest someone solely for illegal presence for the purpose of deporting them because it is a civil violation. Uh, didn't they have a something in place where during COVID they could like turn them right around though? Yeah, so there was like Yeah, it was Title 42. Yeah, yeah Title but they 42. got Biden got rid of that. I don't me? think yet. I think Not a yet. court blocked him. He's trying to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We yeah. should hire mercenaries on <laughs> the state level yeah. to remove Base. <laughs> here's, 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 what I'll, here's what I'll say though. You know, to people who are saying that we can't deport them, okay, well I'll say this. Wouldn't they be better off being detained or or something or uh in some way organize in such that we can try and reduce crimes try and stop criminals try and vet them in the natural process like what i mean is if we catch a bunch of illegal immigrants our our duty is supposed to be like okay like let's figure out who you are what you're doing here and go through that process why just send them to dc the biden administration has been smuggling children trafficking kids on military aircraft around yeah, the country literally. i just it just feels like you're paying half the bill for them because they're, that's what they're trying to do now they're going to call the national guard and it's going to take more taxpayer dollars their attitude is probably like oh we don't care about that like you're sending migrants to us okay we we we, we think them calling an emergency is something bad for them but they're probably just like cost of doing business hmm. was it okay wait i'm like looking this up to make sure this story is real but i heard that Israel was doing like remigration where they were paying people to go back to their home countries for a while. I heard that Denmark is doing that because they actually do want to encourage people to go back to wherever they came from. Denmark is doesn't really want a lot of immigration to their country. I guess they've really been overwhelmed, but it's Denmark saw what was going on with Sweden with those grenade attacks. Denmark, Hmm. Denmark knows what's up. Yeah, it's crazy. So when I was covering the Sweden stuff, we were staying in Copenhagen for a little bit. And when you're going into Sweden, they stop you and they check your IDs because they're worried about the people who are coming in and out of Sweden. There was the, the, a few months before I had gone there, someone threw a grenade onto a balcony killing an eight-year-old English tourist. Oh, I heard that. Yeah, grenading was a huge problem. I don't know if it still is, but it was a huge problem several years ago. I think it still is. My wife is Dutch and she's, I mean, she's been seeing it for years, her and her family, is that the, the immigration waves, um, it's really like the cohesiveness that you would have had in these neighborhoods before starts to come apart. The story, you know, that, that binds them all together starts to come apart. And, um, it's interesting because also Holland, uh, and, and several other places out there is where the thing with the farmers is, is happening. Cops shooting at them. Right. You know, we're about to run out of food. So the best thing is to, uh, stop farmers from doing their job. <laughs> it's almost like it's on purpose. Yeah, Zuby almost. called it a controlled demolition. Yeah. That's, I mean, if you listen to Catherine Austin Fitz, and I know I mentioned her on this, um, show before, she worked under George W. Bush, um, in the, um, in the nineties, I think doing HUD or something like that. But she said she started getting some of her peers telling her that the United States is over. We're removing assets to offshore accounts. Yep. Um, and we need a bunch of forward facing, like public facing events that will have the public not looking at what the real perpetrator was. 
So she was, she's been saying this for years and she's probably one of the most coherent speakers on the topic as you can get. And she was even saying with uh, the BLM riots, I think I might have mentioned this before. It was like 34 out of 37 of the riots happened within like a, just a very small perimeter around the central banks there. And her theory was, you know, well, it just makes it convenient that like all this territory can be built up as the smart grid, which is what the whole push is. So build it up as the smart grid, buy up this, you know, um, you mean mom like and pa shops, the infrastructure. Destroying the businesses and creating crime, which drops property values so they can mm-hmm. be bought up and turned into a smart grid. That's what she says. Right. Like, I wouldn't go so far as to say that, you know, but I mean, I wouldn't deny that that might be an angle. But this is Catherine Austin Fitz, you know, having worked under George W. Bush. Uh, I'm sorry, Herbert Walker Bush in the 90s, saying that she's been tracking, like, where did that well over $21 trillion of the, the federal budget go? You know, she's the one that's been tracking all that. So She was the Assistant Secretary of Housing and Urban Development for Housing under George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. I saw a joke on Reddit. Some guy was saying, when my rent prices start going up, I'll just go out into the neighborhood and fire a couple shots off to uh, lower the there housing go. prices. I <laughs> <laughs> mean where it's like uh, some guys like I rented an apartment, heard a gunshot, ran outside, and the guy next door said, not to worry about it, it was him. They just try to keep the property val- the, the rent prices low. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Oh, also, I just want to confirm because I, I don't want to put fake news on the Tim cast, right? Base. Israel did have a policy where they were um, – giving financial aid to African countries to send back African refugees and migrants. They weren't even sending them back to their home countries. They were like, screw it, just a place in Africa, Rwanda, Eritrea, it'll work, we'll give you aid. So like, if Israel can do it, why can't we just (laughs) give you a bit of support? We're sending them all back. Send them all to Puerto Rico. I wonder if Puerto it can Rico be solved. doesn't matter. <laughs> I wonder if it can be solved because as strict as Trump was, we still saw a massive influx mm. of, of migrants, the caravans, all that stuff. You know, Trump Trump was very serious. Build the wall, deport them. You got to go home. You can come in legally, all that stuff. And during his presidency, we had videos of people charging border guards, like migrant caravan running full speed and attacking U.S. border guards. It's happening every day. When I, w- I was just down there in December, and what's going on is like you drive on the highway from Tapachula up to northern Mexico, you're going to run into a caravan every 20 minutes. I'm not even joking. But what's going on is they'll block the highway to try to get buses north and they'll pressure the government. Oh, these are major shipping routes. If you don't give us a bus, you're not you're basically your country's not going to be able to function. So they'll get them buses. But what will happen is then those buses will start to transfer to come and get the caravan and another caravan will block those buses on the way up and then they'll have to negotiate with those guys and it's just absolute chaos there. So when I make jokes about, oh, we need to just start deporting people and do this, we honestly do need some sort of policy that is a yes or no, open or closed, because it's actually destroying every country in between. It's destroying Mexico. It's destroying the lives of these people who have no idea what the actual immigration system is in America. Is there an immigration system? I'm seeing my cousin, my nephew, everyone get in by walking in. And when I apply legally, I can't get in. So I guess that's just how the U.S. works. I'm going to do that. Everyone's life, migrant, refugee mexican american is getting destroyed by no clarity on this issue Hmm. it's really really harsh reality because if you just say don't come in and then they do it anyway what do you do you arrest them and then you deport them and then say please don't come back and then they come back and you're like what do you do like at a certain point we're being attacked i know right so the, the the cost of either integration or repatriation is extensive for us we have to pay for planes. We have to pay for buses. 
We have to pay for border guards, for police, for, for places where these people, these people can stay. We have to pay for medical treatment for their children. And they just keep coming. I'm like, we got a serious problem that's not being dealt with. I mean, we, look, we got this story right here from NBC News. Biden administration to fill uh, border wall gaps near Yuma, Arizona. Let me just uh, break this story down for you in a simple tweet from Defiant Else. Corrine Jean-Pierre tweeted in 2019, where are the pesos for your bigoted wall to real Donald Trump? Today, she says that uh, they're filling major gaps in the border wall because Biden is trying to save lives. Oh, Hmm. These people have no logic. There's no morals. It is just whatever their tribe wants, meaningless. But I'm curious your thoughts on this. Like, why would the Biden administration be doing anything in, in filling gaps in the border wall if they're failing us to this degree? I'm, I have no idea. Is it like their quota is done? Like, okay, that's all we needed. Close the walls, you know. Well, I mean, it's the truth is that the issue of illegal immigration has been a football that's been passed back between Republicans and Democrats for years. And nothing really changes when it goes back and forth. It's always been a disaster. It's always been a massive problem. Honestly, something that's not really recognized is the southern border program that Obama brought in place in 2014 was actually massively successful. He reduced illegal migration from Southern America by 70% by putting mass funding into checkpoints, walls, patrols down on the Guatemalan border. So there are actually, if you look back and forth between Republicans and Democrats, their policies aren't that different. The whole thing is just a disaster that they're all terrified to address in a strong, confident way because no one wants to be seen as the president that stopped all of the poor refugees or children from coming in, whatever the policy will be publicly. But they know they can't just have millions of people with no jobs no background checks, nothing sitting in Texas. I figured it out. Remember that story we were talking about the other day where Mexican citizens were getting angry that <laughs> Americans were coming down and they weren't speaking Spanish? Biden's building the wall to stop Americans from escaping. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, they're trying to get out. Quick, put so the wall true. up. Got to so bring them in. Got to bring them in. Oh, man. Yeah, and it's it, the, uh, the interesting thing is why, even if they want immigration for like supposed economic reasons, why all from Central and South America? Like, there's tons of immigrants from European countries that, that would love to come here. I mean, there's tons of Ukrainians that would love to come here. So I have uh, my friends who are in Europe talk about how difficult it is to get a visa to fly to the U.S. And they, they say, you know, everyone knows you fly to Mexico, you can walk in and you're fine. But I, when you try to do it legally, they make it diff- like impossible. My for you. wife I, is still going through immigration and it's been since 2017. And she, you said she's from the Netherlands. Yeah. I mean, that's an EU that nation. That should be easy. Yeah. Right? You walk and right she, she welcome. she speaks perfect English. And she's married to a U.S. citizen. Right. And we have three kids. Huh. Wow. The cartel offer like full board deals for people that are typically from Asia, um, uh, Arab, Arab countries, uh, a, a lot of places. You can pay like 50 grand to get trafficked through Mexico into the U.S., as someone that has money that just doesn't want to wait for the official system. I was meeting Nigerians in Reynosa that were like, actually, I'm just walking up to Canada. This is just easier than applying for a visa. I'm visiting a friend in Nova Scotia, is what one guy told me. (laughs) And he figured he'd take the route through Mexico and through the U.S. instead of just waiting on a visa because it was easier. It's just crazy. Didn't didn't you? You were looking at Americans who were fleeing into Canada. 
Americans didn't, fleeing into Canada? Yeah, didn't you go up and track that story or something like that? Oh, uh, Haitians. That that was a while back. Yeah, there were Haitians walking through Roxham Road up into uh, Quebec, I believe, uh, um, that felt they were going to get deported by Trump after their refugee status had um, gone up and they were going to get sent back to Haiti. We opened our whole stadium there for them. And it was, it was wild because you could literally just take a taxi to this suburban neighborhood, walk across this pathway, and the Canadian police were sitting there, and they'd pick up your luggage for you and just walk you down to the stadium and give you a bed. There's no... We have no borders. It's all a joke. What and would, I, I don't blame any migrant for coming in illegally when this is what they watch on the news. It's like, okay, I guess this is how your system works. Your cops are literally waiting there for us with buses and will take our luggage for us. And this happens in Texas, too. They've got buses ready to transport them. They're like, come on in, whatever. What would they have done in 1960 if this was happening? We had very different immigration in 1960. Like, it wasn't, you know, we didn't have the mass welfare state, states that we do now, right? If you came in, it was like, you're working or you're dying. So we didn't have so many people that didn't have jobs and didn't have support systems migrating. It was people that were ready to come in and die or work, right? But now they're getting unemployment or like... Now that we've got massive support systems, the immigration is very different. Okay, what if... We built huge treadmills or, you know, no, better yet, (laughs) platforms that when you when you step on them, it spins a gear which generates power. Mm -hmm. So when all of these people are illegally crossing the border, they're all trampling these things, pushing these boxes down, generating electricity and powering our grid. Sounds like slavery with extra steps, bud. A lot no, of no, 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 no. We do but hear them out. Hear them out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then if they're planting like pollinator wait. flowers to to bring the bees back. No, no. Like what we do is, as they cross the border, they get blasted with pollen. So they're running <laughs> through this field, pressing buttons with pollen, you know, just mm-hmm. pouring off their body. They're the pollinators. And then once they get in, we take them and immediately put them in a pneumatic tube, which sends them back to their country. I can't wait for the Media Matters article on this idea. <laughs> back to the tube. <laughs> yes, Tim makes Rick and Morty reference. They're wow. outraged by it. No, my, my point is rather sarcastic as to what the U.S. government is actually doing. Mm-hmm. The, they're creating second-class citizens. They're talking about giving IDs to these people so they can have benefits. Okay, so they can't vote. They'll struggle to find work, but they'll let them be here to work. Yeah, they're creating serfs. The, the, the Democratic Party and their Republican neocon cohorts, they're creating a surf class. Yeah, I'm not for Very that. true. I'm not, I'm not for that. I think people should enter legally. They should be treated res- respectfully. I don't think non-citizens sh- should vote. But if you're a legal resident with the right to work, then congratulations. We can hang out. We can crack beers and then pass your citizen, citizenship test. Understand what this country means and why it means what it means. Come and vote, man. We're, 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 we're excited to have you. But just letting anybody come in at any time, nah, man. And when your goal is to reduce racism in society or whatever, which is what many progressives claim their goal is, do you really think that's going to happen when the only, if you're living in a poor, you know, white neighborhood growing up and then a bunch of people come in and the only thing they do is they can't speak the same language as you. They only work lowest class minimum wage jobs. They, like you're creating this perception in society of us and them. When you don't have any sort of assimilation that takes place and there's no differences in groups of people that come in. It's all just one very low working class, you know, non-integrated group of people. That's like a a recipe for disaster they're creating. And I don't I hope they realize I think they realize what they're doing. If they do realize, damn, that's dark. Yeah, Yeah, the, the assimilation part is interesting because like if you I mean, 
why do people say New York is so lonely when there's so many people? It's, it's, I mean, like, I wouldn't go so far as to say that's absolutely true, but when you have people in the same neighborhood that, for one, maybe can't speak the same language, but they don't belong to the same culture, that right there creates separation in the very same neighborhood. You know, there's, there's something about, like, that, that kind of rips the story apart, that kind of holds together, like, why is this going to be a good neighborhood at all? You got to be a part of the same story, and that doesn't seem like that's uh, a care for any of uh, any of the immigrants. It's it doesn't seem like you know come in and as you were saying understand what this you know nation is uh, or or what bonds us together, regardless of the nation. Like what bonds us together, and that's what my wife was saying about Holland. It was just this influx of immigration, and there was this rift not just language wise but like a lot of the immigrants as she was saying and she saw it just did not care about the culture or the glue that that connected the people the swedish prime minister has come out just um a few months ago and said we are living in two parallel societies and this is a left-wing swedish prime minister not right-wing anyways and and she's like yeah it's, it's becoming a crisis in our country these people are not assimilating they're not getting jobs they're not speaking the same language we've got two countries they're 30 years too late yep yeah. So uh, I went down to Sweden and I was hearing all this rhetoric from people on the right saying that the, the refugees were creating all this crime. I went there and found not true, actually, completely not true. I mean, a little bit, but not really like the narrative of migrant refugees, burning cars and stuff. Some of those things were happening. The reality was the children, Swedish citizens, descendants of Somali migrants from the 90s, were, uh, are the cause of a lot of, are, are, the, are the ones perpetrating a lot of the crime. Hmm. The reason was when the Somali refugees and migrants came to Sweden in the 90s, they said, just put them all in one place and forget about them. So these people had no incentive to learn the language and no ability to get jobs because Swedes are extremely racist. It is, it is, it is like everything you think about wokes, you know, wokeism, Sweden. They claim to be for diversity, but they're extremely racist. So they'll, 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 these are the kind of people that will be like, oh, yeah, you know, racism is so wrong. And then it's like, here's a migrant. <laughs> Don't bring that person near me. So what they did was they put all the Somali migrants in places like uh, Rinkaby is one place I think it was where a lot of Somali people end up living. They have kids. Those kids are raised by people of Somali descent. They're treated by Swedish, by other people in Sweden, by uh, native Swedes, as immigrants, even though they were born there, speak the language, and are citizens. They go home to visit their their families on their, on their parents' side in Somalia, and they're called Swedish. They're not called, so they have no country. So what happens? When the police come into their neighborhoods, they say, you are not a part of our society at all. You are just people in a van as far as we're concerned. You can't do anything here. So we actually had, this was like one of the most contentious moments when we had cops tell us, they start throwing stones at us. What can we do? We just leave. That happened to us in Paris years and years ago. Do you remember when we were in that no-go zone in Paris and the cops told us, like, if something happens, you're on your own? When, which one was this that? Was, oh, was I, was, are you sure I was there? You were there. I'm pretty sure you were there. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There were yeah, riots we, going on. Yeah. Remember we left right. you in the falafel store to die? <laughs> <laughs> do you remember? I remember those. There was like a big, there were big protests. And we couldn't get back to the to the Airbnb or whatever or something like that. Yeah, they started yelling at us that they were going to kill us, and our translator said that. And we were like, "Where's Tim?" When we were going to find our 
car and you were in the falafel store. Like, that's all I remember. I'm like, Are a you vague, sure that was me? Absolutely sure I did a video on it. Really? <laughs> Shout out to falafel. And you what? were like, falafel? forget Tim, we need to go. <laughs> yeah. For real. Well, maybe I need to watch the video to remember. I, it was I, years ago. <laughs> yeah. I do remember in France, like there, there were big protests and the trains were blocked off and the cops wouldn't let anyone through and stuff like that. We went to a few. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Northern parts of France. I think I remember this. There was like a, a lot of crime. There were shootings and, and locals were like scared. I remember when I went to Sweden the first time, this guy was scared to drive in certain neighborhoods because hmm. he was just like, these neighborhoods have become like their own, you know, they colloquially call them no-go zones. And then the media was like, there's no such thing as a no-go zone. Then you look at the definition and it's like, a no-go zone is an area where, you know, there's like high crime or pe- police advo- tell you to avoid. And uh, like, you, you either can't go there you're told to avoid going there. And so in these areas, like you actually had Swedish police issue statements saying like, these are high crime areas, but then deny that they were in any way a no-go zone. And I'm like, my attitude was, I don't care what they're officially, the locals just refer to them that way. Mm. And okay. the cops too. The cops will say right. it too. They're like, this is a no-go zone, just so you know. Oh, but those don't exist, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. compared, Just don't say that publicly. How does it compare to a favela? To which? I think favelas are awesome. Because I, I mean, at least when I was in Brazil, favelas were just like, shanty towns you know in brazil regular people live in regular lives they're just you know poorer mm-hmm. and so the crazy thing was how people built houses on top of and through other people's houses so like we went to one house where they have a neighbor the neighbor one day just climbed up on top of the roofs and started building another house to get to it they have to go through the house nobody cares i was like wow it's kind of crazy I what? haven't seen that, but I, I've been to some favelas that I would never go back to. What is a favela? Yeah. I've never it means, heard this it word. It means shantytown. Yeah. Like in Brazil, it's, it's. So is it supposed to be like a dangerous area? Is that the idea? Yeah. And it, it's, it's definitely the lowest economic okay. areas. And sometimes they're right next to like a high economic area. You think Th- it, those are the most dangerous when there's like a contrast. If right. you go to super poor areas in the world where there's no contrast, there's no like jealousy or like f- trying to strive for that wealth or whatever, people are perfectly content. It's I, when there's that like developing societies are really rough i don't know man i mean maybe they're dangerous but maybe because i'm from chicago it just didn't feel that way to me <laughs> I, no, I mean that literally Could be. because you know they say chicago's my chicago's got more gun deaths than iraq going to bed at night in the city and then hearing gunshots in the distance is just something you grew up with have like someone pulling out a gun at, 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 at my local high school fight breaks out and some dude pulls out a gun it's just like i'm in i'm in the favelas in brazil and it's like a dude with like an open fire just grilling chicken and we're like this is cool yeah. They're like playing music and people were just chilling. And I was like, I don't know. Have you seen City of God? No. Uh, it's, it's, it's all about the favelas. Really, really good story. But it's about how like the, the, the children gangs, gangs that were li- literally like kids from maybe four or five years old all the way up to like 15 with guns were like running some of these favelas. You know what you got to understand, though, is that uh, most people aren't insane. You know what I mean? Like I don't know about that one. But well, no, I mean <laughs> there are insane people, but I typically find in in my my travels having covered, you know, conflict crisis uh, being in these like being in uh, um, anarchist districts in like Turkey is that their goal there there's a goal, there's an idea, there's like you can see what they're doing and why they're doing it. They're not the joker. Mm. So like when I'm in the favelas, they're like here is likely what's going to happen. Like if someone wants to steal from you, they're going to take your stuff. I was I was warned when I was in Venezuela. They were like, when you get express kidnapped in Venezuela, they'll give you a ride anywhere you want to go. Like their goal is to take your money, not to destroy your life for the most part. So they, they, one guy told me a story where he was like, he went to an ATM machine and as soon as he walked up, guy walked up to him and said, you know, 
take your money out and then now get in the car. They're driving in the car and they're like, there's a guy pointing a gun and he's like, give me your wallet, give me your stuff, give me your phone, give me all your cash. Where can we drop you off? And he's like, oh, you can drop me off here. And like, it was like a 20 minute drive. And then they like drove him there like, all right, man, have a go. And he was like, all right, bye. That's nice of them. Well, because like (laughs) there are bad people. Some of these people will kill you. But if you look at some of these videos out of Brazil, you see them so, so often where someone's robbing a store and they get shot and killed. You may notice like in these videos, the dude robbing is not prepared to shoot anyone. Like, have you seen these videos? I think I know the idea you're talking about. Tons of them. Yeah. A guy will walk into a store and then he'll pull out a gun and start pointing and then everyone just unloads on him. The dude will try and run away because they were threatening these people, but not really prepared to actually do it. But when you point a gun at someone, they're prepared to defend their own lives. This is the issue. These people, they're doing these robberies. They're not actually prepared to hurt an innocent person. But these people with the guns aren't innocent. So those people are. My point is, in my experience, having been to a lot of countries, if you just try and understand the people and their motivations, you're typically fine. Mm. That's a really good point. I think the people you have to be the most scared of are, are, it's the classic thing, the people who have nothing left to lose. Like, you never get in a fight with a crackhead. You're going to lose every time, or at least they're going to gouge your eyes out or Zealots. something before. Or like, uh, you look at like the situation where those two girls were beheaded in Morocco in the mountains by these migrants who had been sitting there for years trying to get over the, into Suedo, Maria, Milia, over the fences, and they just, no, they can't go back, don't have enough money, destroyed their passports, can't go forward. <laughs> Nothing left to lose. Yeah. Let's chop these girls' heads off after assaulting them. Like, geez, those are the scary. But you're right. If Idealize. people have motivations that you can identify, you, you might be fine. Right. But that, that also means like when you're seeing someone, when you see ISIS, you're like, I know their motivations. Run. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the average person. So my point is like you're, on, you're going to a fafella. The average motivation of a person is I'm going to get food for my family. I'm going to get nice clothes and try and just live. So then when they come up to you and they threaten you, it's like, if you just give them your stuff, they're going to leave you alone. Or you can figure out, you know, are they really prepared to, to fight with you? And if typically you see this in the United States too, they did this uh, uh, study. They got a bunch of cri- uh, convicted criminals who had committed armed robberies, showed them videos of people walking and asked them who would they choose to target? Turns out like over 80% of the time, the people they chose had been robbed before. Hmm. There was something about the way people carried themselves that made them look weaker and susceptible. So that's, you, you can understand these things. For the most part, when I would go to like the favelas, you know that almost all people don't want trouble. Like a fox, for instance, will not come onto our property when the dog's around unless the fox is starving and it has no choice. And that's the issue. So most people, like when you, when you come across someone who's like desperate, they might, you know, not want to destroy you, but they'll take your stuff. The real scary thing is ideologues because, you know, they want to destroy you because those people are crazy. They're, depending on where you are, like there was that one uh, story about the two people riding their bikes through Tajikistan or whatever. And then ISIS just rammed them, rammed them and like ran them over or whatever. Because like, you know, some places are in, are dominated by ideologues and zealots. You got to watch out for that. I tell you this. Mm. I would gladly with a smile on my face walk through any favela in Brazil, going to stores, hanging out with people and not worry about it. But I would be much, much more worried to go to like uh, a protest in New York City where there's leftists. You know what I mean? Because I know their their motivations. The motivations of the left is violence, bricks, anger, and rage. They'll scream in your face. They'll they'll, they'll do what they did to Andy No. In a favela, it's people they want to sell you a cheeseburger, man. Yeah. Cheeseburger might 
you know, have worms in it, depending on who you're getting it cooked from. But they're, they're no, no one there wants to be known on the internet as the guy who threw a brick at Tim's pool's head. Like it doesn't, they mm. don't care. There. In the yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. There's a, whereas New York, yo, <laughs> there's probably yo, a few you know, of those. Really, you know, it's really messed <laughs> up though, is the favela tours they've, they started doing a while ago where rich tourists will get on buses and drive through poor neighborhoods as a tourist attraction. Hmm. That's disgusting. That is super yeah. nasty. Jeez, I feel like I'm looking at images of favelas, thinking about how cool they look. They and do. I'm kind of like that that guy. I'm taking a tour right now, but you, you pull up the image. <laughs> He's just doing it on the internet. <laughs> it's a spectacular, <laughs> a spectacular imagery to see the way they build these houses okay. in these communities. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're like, it's like not a filled with any. Yeah, there's probably no structural integrity. Like, there's no building codes and whatever. Getting getting from building the building is the craziest thing because there's like zigzagging narrow quarters like yeah. one human body length wide that's so i went to uh, po- uh 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 what was it um what is it called it, it's ciudadado uh, do policia i think um, my, my portuguese it doesn't it's not existent they had a, they they had built a mock favela for trainings hmm. for for favela policing and, and and combat because the favelas are random you know like in 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 the states it's a grid system we use for most cities so there's a logic. There's a logic to it. Yeah. But in favelas, it's like you're going to turn the corner and some guy's going to pop out of a window. That was really fun when I went down there because we climbed on top of their mock favela. And I think it was like eight feet or 10 feet. And then I asked the cop and I was like, what do you do when you're up here? And the guy down, guy's down there. And he's like, eh. and then he jumps down. He's like, just like that. And then I jumped down after him and he was like, whoa, he was like, don't get hurt, man. I'm like, oh, I'm good. And he was actually really surprised I did it because, you know, he thought like we do training here. We can handle it. And I'm like. I've been skating. Yeah, for you skateboard. Years. I was like, I can jump off a building. I'm good. I bet they're pretty good at parkour. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, for real, man. <laughs> that's that's why the police needed to build this place, build a mock favela for training because you try to chase down a dude who lives there. Home field advantage. Yeah. Home field advantage. No, but seriously, it's a maze. I'm telling you, I went to one house to get to the neighbor's house. You had to walk through their kitchen, like walk through their house to get to the next house. This is like perfect Assassin's Creed territory. Yeah. You just jump everywhere all over the, but they, well, the crazy thing is the power lines. Cause yeah, it's, but they've been, they, they've been doing for a while now, something called uh, reclamation or pacification where they've been sending in these like high powered tactical units, rifles to just clear out the gangs. The gangs were the real government of the favelas. Yeah. Because there was no government. So what happens is the gangs, they'd call them, started to, like locals would organize and come up with their own systems of governance. That's what humans do. When the government tried to say like, hey, these people should be paying taxes and we should have control of this. They went in and started rounding these people up, shooting them in many circumstances. It was pretty brutal. Just another gang. Yep. You know, there's a pretty euphoric way to get mugged in, uh, I think it's like Ecuador and Colombia. They use toe or, um, scopolamine where you just like, it's this powder that you can put on a piece of paper and they'll go up to like tourists and they just blow it in their face and it makes you so suggestible that you're like, all right, can you, can you go to the ATM? Can you pull out all the cash that you have and now take me back to your uh, hotel or wherever you stay in? Where, where are your valuables? And, You'll just say it. You'll give it up. And people are are shocked. They like don't remember. Yeah, they blow it in your face. Mm-hmm. It's the zombie drug. Yeah, it's, I think wow. it's the strongest nightshade. Scopolamine. Scopolamine. Yeah, it comes. I, I don't think it comes. That's from, a really respectable respectable way to mug someone. Right. I, that's very. I'd nice like to get you. mugged that way yeah. someday. Yes. Yeah. Chemically. If yeah. I'm going to get mugged, that's going to be the one. No, I I'll, I'll do it regardless. <laughs> <laughs> they call it the devil's breath. The scopolamine. The yeah. Oh. Some put it in ayahuasca as well. 
They wow. call it towei, but they make it an admixture, admixture of uh, ayahuasca. And then sometimes people get taken advantage of that way. But I oh. kind of feel like it's got to be uh, an urban legend, the potency of scopolamine. You know? Maybe. Like th- these stories of people, someone will like walk up to them at the ATM and then do like the witch doctor thing where they go and blow it in your face. And then you're like, Ugh, and then they zombify you. That's crazy. Like, how does that actually happen, you know? Is, I wonder the same thing about... Oh, it treats mo- motion sickness. Oh, okay. Yeah, it has uses. Nice. Yeah. What, is there... What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to... Like, the... I was just reading this thing in this weird magazine Crime. called... Fought yeah. Nachos. Crime. About, about, <laughs> yeah, about PCP and, like, leading it, you know, to cannibalism. PCP leading people into cannibalism <gasps> and how many stories came up with that. Oh, when I was in Mexico, something really interesting I was told was that, you know, all the human sacrifices they did in like, what was it? Mayan culture or whatever. The Aztecs. The, yeah. Sorry, the Aztecs, not Mayan. Um, they were telling me that they'd put the people on like shrooms and tons of different drugs and they actually wanted to be sacrificed because they thought it was like such a noble, important death. And when they were on all these drugs, it was actually like this beautiful experience. It made, um, people's hearts being eaten a lot more lovely for me. What the idea of it. That's <laughs> romantic. What yeah. if that's how you ascend? True. You take DMT until you blast off, sending your spirit into the fourth dimension. Then they sacrifice your body, severing the tether and keeping you trapped in the fourth dimension. You're on another level right now. Man, I feel like I'm on DMT. So your spirit's already <laughs> in the other dimension. You don't have to experience the visceral transaction. You're already peacefully there. And then they kick you down a flight of steps. And your friends eat your heart. That's cute. Yeah, yeah if you guys <laughs> the city what was Apocalypto? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Mel Gibson. I think he was did you guys watch Vikings? I haven't seen it. No. Wasn't that like a thing in Vikings too, uh, where they'd talk about how it, it was like a huge honor to be sacrificed to the gods, and people would want to get that position? It was definitely. A I mean, I don't. Fight. I don't know how much Vikings is like <laughs> referencing historical information, but yeah. I just know that's like a uh, theme. Jeez, what the Lithu- ancient Lithuanian um, cults and stuff would do that for sure. Mm. Uh, what are these pagan? They would even religions. take body parts or eat body parts of, you know, the conquered peoples. Well, I guess that's, yeah, this is still a thing today. You have like ISIS members that yeah, are like, the, bam, the, gonna blow my I just want a Romuva Re- reading, reading the crime about scopolamine, they don't blow it in your face, they just lace your drink with it. So okay. is there a video of someone getting dosed with scopolamine and then being like, yes, master, or anything like that? No, it just, it, it's a roofie. Like I'm reading about it, it just makes you like delirious and loopy. So you're probably just like, uh, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. and then they're like, what's your ATM number? And you go, blah, blah. I kind of feel <laughs> like there's got to be a YouTuber that's like, uh, Vice, today I'm going to yeah, get Hannibal. scopolamine. Well, Vice, <laughs> Vice, that one of the very early things was like they got some scopolamine and they were like, whoa, and they flushed down the toilet. They don't touch it. What was I that saw guys? that one. Yeah. yeah. There was a Vice anchor that would go out and do a bunch of drugs. Is it Hannibal? Is that his name? N- Hannibal. Uh, no, it's uh, uh, Hamilton Morris. Hamilton. <laughs> Hamilton. Hamilton. Sorry, Hamilton. <laughs> Close I keep enough. saying Hannibal. Hannibal's Pharmacopia. Yeah. Um, Hamilton's Pharmacopia. Hannibal is a guy who ate people. Hamilton's <laughs> like, for, I'm going to do this for you. And then he would take all these different drugs and be like, now you know what it's like for me to be on drugs. But <laughs> I mean, he did a, that's a lot of great work he did. Wasn't his dad a famous guy? Who's his dad? I can't remember, but you're right. Yeah. I, met, I met him and he really does talk that slow. Oh, cool. Would you ever eat someone? Like no. another person? Okay, but like, what like, would be... Like, who are we talking <laughs> about? Would be, Name someone, okay. and I'll tell okay. you yes or no. Like, there were those people that got in that plane crash that had to eat their <laughs> friends oh, to no stay doubt. alive. The would you do alive, that? Yeah. No doubt. Errol Morris. Okay, so you would right. eat like, people. I mean, Everyone like, to, to said be, no, but you're perfect, lying to me. You would eat people. To be, to be 
<laughs> to be perfectly legit, if I had to to survive, the answer in that situation would probably be yes. Nope. No, never. Or you would no, have to. No conditions you would eat another person under. Nope. You just let yourself die. Uh, I got I, kids, I wanna, man. I just want to point out there are people who <laughs> starve for political purposes intentionally. Like, bro, I'm pretty sure it's a choice if you want to eat another person. But if there's no politics involved, if it's just, well, okay, what about, are you talking about my, living my point, people or my, dead no, people no, no, that no, are dead, already frozen? People that are already dead. Yeah. My like, point is, there are people right now who are like, I feel so strongly about the birds. I'm not going to eat another chicken until the birds are freed. And then they choose to starve themselves. So my point is... How many people actually die of that starvation, though? They're, mm. they're, like, people who go on hunger strikes? Yeah, they actually, like, like, go the whole way instead of doing it for, like, three days. And then, damn, I'm going to go get myself some, like, expensive vegan food. Maybe maybe it's easy to say when I am well-fed, but I do not do not believe there's a circumstance where I would eat a person. You know, I'd try you get, the breatharian it, listen, thing. Listen, it's not survival. You get the shakes. You get prion diseases. Well, don't eat the brain. No, but it's, you can't even guarantee it. You eat the people, you get the shakes. You, what, do you, what do you mean the shakes? What is, is that a Brian thing? Disease. From from eating what is, another what is person. It, what is it called? Encephal, encephalopathy or something? Yes. I'm not advocating eating other people here. I'm just, you know. Right. Well, the New, York, the, the New York Times today. <laughs> the New York Times had that article where they were like, the time for cannibalism, maybe now. <laughs> they were they were writing a Soylent story. Soylent green, eh? Yeah. Well, they were, they were writing about fiction, how like it's become popular cannibalism in fiction. My response is like Reza Aslan ate people. Like he ate a person. He got in real big trouble for that, and they they broadcast it. What was it? CNN. CNN? Yeah. Yeah. He ate eight people. He I, I, I got he ate part of a person. A piece of a brain. Yeah. I don't. Well, I meant people in like the general noun, like saying cow. You know, he ate human. Mm. How the a piece of a brain is an ecosystem. So would he get the? Sh- he wouldn't get the shakes. When you talk about from someone that, getting the shakes, that's I think like- I think Reza Aslan may have had men- may have a mental side effect from eating brain. I think it, it like the dude is went went like off. He was like he was like this well-respected religious scholar, and then at some point he just went nuts, and he's like he advocated for violence, like with the Covington kids and stuff. He he's posted really insane stuff about punching, like he was the one who said punch the kid's face, something like that. The kid's face is punchable. I kind of feel like either eating the brain did something to him, which I would not be surprised, or the social ramifications of being a cannibal destroyed him mentally. I get that. That's what I get out of it. Is it and, I, and, I, and, I, and I will always stress this. Because I know somebody who knew him, and I said, Reza Aslan's a cannibal. And they were like, no, he's not. And I was like, he's a cannibal. He ate human being. And they were like, he ate human like one time. And I'm like, if a dude abuses a kid, you know what I mean? Like, are you going to say he's not a pedo? And they're like, well, no. I'm like, he ate a part of a person. He's a cannibal. Objectively a cannibal. Like, you earned that (laughs) title, dude. Great conversation. So So if someone killed somebody 35 years ago. You're a murderer. Are they still a killer? Yes. Or are they no longer a killer now that they don't kill people anymore? No, you're a killer. Like, I don't think it's like once you did something, you're always that thing. mm. So I, I, I sometimes eat the calluses off my fingers. I'm a guitar player. All right. You're a cannibal. Am I a cannibal? Tell me no, about you're it. not a cannibal, dude. <laughs> you're like, you're, like you, you're, you're constantly swallowing mucus from the, from like your, your sinus or whatever. Or, you know, or like, you know, you bite your tongue and then like some cells. Get out of here. Ooh, yeah. Wait. Okay. So wait, this, this actually brings up an interesting conversation. Cause like I was thinking, okay, there has to be, the person has to be dead. And then I was like, wait, no, they don't actually have to be dead. Cause you could like unconsensually 
eat someone's I could bite his arm right now and I think I'd be a cannibal right but what if he consented well, to me eating his arm because there's that guy in Germany who is the murderer but he got his guy that um, he ate he had him consent to it <laughs> and then he ate him and he went to jail and they did a whole documentary on him but the guy consented to being eating eaten was he under duress when he consented I, I don't know he claims it's he claims that they were lovers and that the guy loved him so much he wanted to be a part of him <laughs> That was his claim when he did the interview. I, I think flying the court. I of love ball. where this conversation the, went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, you know, we're going to step down the what road. What is the guy's name? Lydia's to... looking at that uh, Grand Patron. Sweet. Like, I think I need is, is there is there a difference between like consensual cannibalism <laughs> and cannibalism? Are you a worse person if it's in fifty years? There might be different words for those two things. I want. I want. You know, I I firmly believe dogs know if you have ever eaten dog. Hmm. Because I was reading something about about it, how dogs like I was reading about countries where they eat dog and the behavior that dogs have towards people, and I'm like, if dogs can smell cancer, if dogs can smell a seizure before it happens, I'm pretty sure a dog can smell that you've eaten dog at least recently, mm-hmm. or maybe within the past few years or something. But like because, chickens don't have the sense of smell, is that why? And cows can they not smell as well as dogs? Dogs have crazy. Smell, I think dude. animals are closer to the spirit realm, especially dogs, and they can absolutely sense things on a level that we can't. And things yeah. about our soul. That's why dogs will like hate certain people and love cats certain too. People. They can yeah. anticipate your movements. Well, Wild I read. I read they that, see like, things we don't see. I read that if you eat dog, dogs will like not trust you. Horse, you say wild horses too? Up in Northern California, um, there was, uh, my friend's got like a thousand acres and there's wild horses all around it and he's protecting them. And he said everybody he brings there, if you eat meat, it doesn't even have to be horse, you know, meat. If you eat meat at all, the horses won't come near you. Interesting. Really? Well, I mean, you can smell it. They say like when the, when the special forces or whatever were training to go in, or I don't know which division, you have to eat local foods mm-hmm. because you don't realize how much you smell of the food that you eat. Interesting. Yeah. So the horses are probably like, dude, you eat meat, I can tell. <laughs> and you just went like, to McDonald's, right? That's and then the vegans walk bacteria. up and the horse is like, ah, noble vegan. Yeah. I am safe around you. As I am a vegan. Um, okay. I just, just for reference for the chat, cause I'm sure there's so many people interested. The guy's name was Armin Maiwis, who is the cannibal in Germany whose victim consented. How do they so know he know. consented though? Um, apparently, there was a whole documentary on it, okay? There was like a contract. A contract. Yeah, I think it, it was like, they had like letters back and forth and stuff, and they, yeah, they were. Was he like, I want to be in you? Are you sure? You just didn't um, mis- misread that statement? <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Maya appeared in court charged with killing and then frying and eating another man. In one of the most extraordinary trials, uh, the self-confessed cannibal admitted that he had met 43-year-old Berlin engineer Bernard Brandes after advertising on the internet and had chopped him up and eaten him. So I think he put a advertisement on the internet that he wanted to eat someone and the guy responded. What platform? Craigslist. This is what the internet does to people. Like normally a guy who wants to be eaten would never find someone oh. who would want to eat him. But now the internet. <laughs> now there's someone for everyone. Now you can swipe until you there's, find the right one. There's right? going to be an app called Eater. Eater. Yeah. And it's oh, like, no. I would like to be eaten or I would like to eat. And you're like, eat no, I don't want to eat him. Ooh, yeah. I'd eat her. Oh man, eaters only. <laughs> so he was he was nice about it. Brandon swallowed twenty sleeping tablets and a half a bottle of schnapps before he started. Oh, I I don't think I can he was still read alive? this. He started cutting off certain parts of him first and started to fry and eat it. And then after he was bleeding heavily, he took a bath. He read him a Star Trek novel. 
And then in the early hours of the morning, he finished off his victim, stabbing him in the neck and then kissing him. Yeah, the way they call it victim, I mean, if this already predisposed, like they already believe it was uh, not consensual. Chopped him up, put several bits of him in the freezer next to a takeaway pizza, then buried him in the garden. Next to Defrosted and cooked. I love that detail right there. He read... He cut him up, ate him while he was still alive, and then read him a Star Trek novel. <laughs> I just what a like, novel. Man, so, th- but here's the problem: like this. I'm, I mean, I'm serious about the internet stuff. No, for normally real. somebody who thought they were a giraffe would just sit there in their quiet, being like, "I think I'm a giraffe," and then they would never act upon it. But now with the internet, they find a bunch of other people who are like, "Yo, I think I'm a giraffe too," and they're like, "Let's have a giraffe convention." Then they all get together, walking around, going Man, eating leaves, and it's it's like. <laughs> It's creating communities that normally wouldn't exist, you know? I need more of my I think patron. humans used to be way more racist and, and willing to sla- slaughter that which they hated. And we've become very, like, accepting tolerant. for better and for worse because, yeah, we've become much more tolerant, which obviously is fantastic for, for a communicative society. But at the same time, how would those people survive in nature if, like, they just want to be giraffes all day? Like, how? who's going to do the human work? See, I wonder, like, who would they be in a in a tribe? Like, you go back thousands of years, like, who who would they be Dead. in a tribe? Right? The one who <laughs> thinks they're a giraffe? Like, you know, Dead. or are they the shaman? Could they even, do they even think that stuff back in the day? Do you think it's just like a lazy, like, there's nothing, I'm bored with, there's no, so let's find out, let's fantasize. Affluent. It's like the kids who are like, when we achieve full communism, I'm going to work at the poetry factory. (laughs) (laughs) You saw that meme where they're like, what are you going to do when communism is achieved? And it's like, I'm going to teach people how to grow things on my farm. And then someone went, your farm? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they don't don't get it. You mentioned earlier that the people, we seem to have had a story, like a, a, a group story that we're out of touch with now. But what do you think that story is? I mean, like, I love Charles Eisenstein's way of looking at this. And he says, like, you know, there's this old story that it's, it's not like, you know, some, some emperor or some group writes it per se. It kind of is an amalgamation of a group, you know, an entire group. But over time, it kind of turns into an unwritten credo. And like part of it today, I would say is that like we're, we're separate from nature. Um, that, you know, you can do anything you want to the environment and it, it doesn't, you know, come back on you. Uh, that like, you know, money can be profane and completely separate. There's nothing sacred about, you know, any of these things. So like, in a sense, it's kind of this isolation, this I'm this individual. And the way Charles Eisenstein is talking about it is like, this is, this is precisely what we need to get back to is, more of the the real story that unites us being this thing where there's nothing I can do to the outside world that doesn't eventually have its consequence back at me or in future generations. So I think those are the kinds of stories. It's not like, you know, something that you can write down in a, in a preamble to a constitution or something like that. I think it's it's more of like the amalgamation of what people end up believing under a certain kind of rule, under a certain kind of economy. We talked about the eight types of Greek love a couple nights ago. Mm-hmm. You brought it up. And the agape, you actually mentioned, is mm-hmm. the love of the community. And I think people have fallen maybe in the United States out of touch with it because of this isolationist ease of, like, air-conditioned, you know, internal. But I, I – I, Well, a- you get to be separate. You get to, you get to look at everything through a screen now, whereas back in the day, like, you, you would gauge your threat level by looking into nature – and now everyone is is getting the same amygdala teasing effect by just staring at a screen. 
and but you're safe inside this supposedly safe inside this little bubble but you're cut off from your actual community we've got to figure something out as us humans because uh you know we we developed and evolved based on the the natural ecosystem like the simplest thing is sugars are few and far between in nature so when we find it we're like this is amazing because your body uses it really quickly and then you don't have it for a long time then we refined it now we have endless supplies of sugar pumped into our bodies poisoning us these things are are one of the biggest threats to like everything that is to be human you know we want to we want to better our lives we want to make a, a better future for our children we want to explore develop become smarter and live and be happy and healthy but now it's like we found a way to electrocute our nerve to stimulate it and we just got the thing cranked up to 11 and we're sitting there with movies video games porn mountain dew taco bell chocolate ice cream, Ben and Jerry's, whatever you want to call it. And it's just massive overstimulation. And I think it desensitizes people. Because I'll tell you this, one of the most, we've got the black, like the berry season's almost over. But I talk about wine berries all the time. It is like, they're so delicious. When I don't eat, I don't eat sugar for the most part. So when you get a fresh berry, you're like, whoa, it's so good. And then it's like, I tried drinking a sweet tea and I was, it was like drinking syrup. I couldn't drink it. It was disgusting. I think people are completely desensitized yeah. to like the amount of garbage they're eating. They're probably, they're not getting the same. Like this is why people are so depressed too. Once you get everything that can maximize stimulation, there's nothing left. So if your whole life is pure stimulation, you're at the top. You can't go anywhere. Eventually it just becomes baseline and you're like, life is not good. Some, um, I had breathing issues. I don't know if it was like a panic attack or something, but I had to go to the hospital once for it because I was like having so much trouble getting air. And I remember the doctor talk. I felt like such a loser because he was like, there's nothing actually wrong with you. Just how you're breathing right now is your lungs are full and you're only going, <sighs> you can't get anything in. So you're never feeling like you're getting a full breath. And that sounds like exactly what you're yep. describing. Like if you start at the bottom, you're always getting these full breaths every single day. And yeah, you just don't want to constantly be hitting that peak. How did People, you work out of that? I it, it was like I don't know if it, I feel like such a loser because I thought there was something like severely wrong with me. But yeah, it was like an anxiety thing or something, and I just had to chill for a bit. I've, <laughs> I've, I've told this story before. A friend of mine who uh, became a millionaire at the age of sixteen, I think he was like sixteen, said that in his experience, every person he's ever met who became wealthy had an existential crisis. Mm -hmm. For most of these people, they weren't intending to become rich. They developed something, instantly became rich, and then had accomplished their goal and did not have to work anymore. And so that left them sitting there depressed and aimless. Because like, if their goal was, I'm going to, you know, work on this computer program, and they just kept improving it over time, they'd have to keep working and paying their bills and then finding ways to make money. But for the small amount of people who solved the computer problem instantly, made $10, $15 million, now they don't got to work, they're like, what is my life now? I've already accomplished the thing that I'm good at. I have money. I don't have to work anymore. What do I spend it on? Everyone else is too busy working. They can't. I'm, I'm just, you're outside of the system at that point. There's an interesting thing. There's like two spiritual elements to this that I want to bring up is that one, I bet you those people would be happier if they like woke up to this wealth and then they realized everybody else is free as well. But when you wake up and all of a sudden you're outside of this rat race where you have to, you have to like, you know, work your ass off in this dog eat dog world. So you wake up and you're outside of that. You don't have to work anymore, but every one of your friends, you can't solve all their problems for them. So you're watching them 
stuck in this machine that you were just in and it might feel lonely outside of that. And that's actually what they call the bodhisattva in um, in Buddhism and uh, Hinduism are people who reach nirvana, which is like enlightenment, pure bliss. But they're like, uh, like, I realize I don't exist for me. So they enter themselves back into the world of suffering so they can help other people. Mm. And what you were saying, like breath is a part of every single spiritual tradition. And when you're at the top of your breath all the time, it leads to anxiety. You know, but what does this look like? It's like, you know, the bottom of your breath all the time, people who they're not inhaling and getting that full inhale is more like depression. Everything's lived in the tension. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Conflict is a huge part of life that makes life enjoyable. And it's unfortunate that sometimes that conflict is war. But, you know, going back to like the first thing we're talking about, the decline of an empire is that when the, the narrative of God and country wasn't working anymore, your country's falling apart. People... A country succeeded because people were like, we are a strong country. We believe in each other and that, that, that bond. You lose that. There's, you know, people just conflict with each other. Everything falls apart. But uh, let's go to Super Chats. If you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button? Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends. Don't forget, check out TimCast.com. We're, we've got a couple shows up now. Uh, the Tales from the Inverted World. We are about to, so we have Tales from the Inverted World, which is the, you know, serialized long form show. And we're going to be launching soon the Inverted World podcast, which is Shane Cashman, the author, taking your calls. So we want, we're going to be setting this up soon. We'll have you submit your ghost stories, your spooky stories, your paranormal, your Bigfoot sightings. And then Shane will ask you guys about them. So we'll schedule calls with regular people, have them phone in. We'll do these episodes. We'll, I'll try, we'll try and do them as often as Shane is able to do them. It might be once a week. It's going to be up to him because he's also going to be investigating this other long form stuff for Tales from the Inverted World. But I'm really excited for that show because I just personally love those shows. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever gone on a road trip and just put on the, the Campfire Ghost Stories shows. Those are my favorite. Yeah. Are you, uh, what was that old, afraid of it, not afraid of it, scary stories to tell in the dark? Yeah. I was no, raised yeah. on that book and I, the audio, like the tape that came I, with it. I love being on a road trip. It's like 10 p.m. It's dark and playing on the podcast is like a dude calling in being like, so there I was. I'm in my basement when all of a sudden the water faucet turns on by itself. And I'm like, whoa. You can hear he believes it too. I don't yeah, know what's I know. wrong it's with so you cool. people. I can't do anything horror. My nightmares are enough for me. Thanks. So I'm kind of with I'll, you. I'm good on that. <laughs> like, Life is terrifying. What about paranormal? No, like I have such bad, I went, <laughs> I have such bad nightmares. Like I can't do any of that. I get sleep paralysis. I'm like, no, no, no. That's just going to give my mind more creativity to torment me with. My no, brother. Thank you. So we went to an <laughs> antique store and we got a phone from the 1930s. Like one of those old, like you pull the cone off the thing and put it to your operator. And uh, my brother turned it in. He actually built a mechanism to make it work with like actual Bluetooth and play sounds and everything. So we're going to use that as like a main prop. And then we have a, we actually have a haunted house that we're going to be using for the set. So I'm super excited. But let's read, let's read all your super chats. All right. Let's see. Kefka says, so I see people want to bring back the ghost girl. I also see it's either uh, it's either Ian is always on or it'll be another summer of love. I, for one, agree. I don't understand what that means. Um, Mary Morgan is the host of Pop Culture Crisis, and she does frequent this show. Uh, so you'll see her periodically. All right. Let's see. S says, cheese it. If Lauren is sucking down Pappy in a paper cup, I'm bringing Mezcal in a mason jar. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so did you put the honey in the in the Grand Patron? I did. How was it? Is it good? 
It's really strong, but yeah, it's all right. I I can make you one right now. Make me one. Please. I'm gonna go. I, make I, you one, I, okay? I do think. Would like, you Would you guys like for not me? Okay. Uh, no. I, I might. Yeah. Tiny, right. tiny paper cups, this, uh, boys. Paper oh, cups. every day. I'll <laughs> <laughs> return. It's for the environment. All right, let's grab some more. Oh no, I can't read some of these. Lydia? A raftus of stat says, "How do I audition for the part of Tim in the Cast Castle series?" Um. You you don't I don't know. <laughs> so we we are going to have in the Cast Castle show real vlog elements of it, like Lauren was riding around on an electric motorbike or something like that. I was we should have I still think we should have vlogged whatever this thing the NAD thing. Oh the NAD that yeah. Um I we we never really did that I guess for like security reasons we never film it. Oh fair enough. Um, yeah. Wait I'm curious who would you have play you like what actor would you have play you in a movie about you? I don't know. You have no idea. The Rock. <laughs> I don't have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. I, I imagine like there's, you know, they're gonna make they're gonna make a movie. You know how they did the Fox News bombshell movie? Yeah. They're gonna make an indie media one, mostly about the Daily Wire, but I'll be like peripherally in it for some reason, and then they'll get like some really awful person to play me. Some like Weasley guy who's like, I'm Tim Pope. Hey, come on. Yeah. What about it, like, the guy Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad? Whatever that actor's name is, he's I don't know. in Westworld now. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they have to get Ben Shapiro to play me because all we would have to do is be a little bit more liberal, but we both talk really fast, so I think he'd be able to pull it off. People liked fast talkers, hey, in media. Everyone's just got a bit of ADHD. I can't even watch my my videos not on two times speed anymore. <laughs> I have to watch everything on two times speed. Internet making me your mentally own? ill. Do you edit your own videos? Most of them, yeah. Yeah, do you edit on double time? <laughs> if I could, I would. <laughs> That's what I do for my shows. Really? And I, I notice when I watch them at regular speed, I'm like, yeah, whoa, this sounds yeah, like I'm, I'm drunk. Yeah, totally. All right. Let's read some more. Doc Toxic says, finally joined TimCast.com and watched the after show. Hearing Ian drop the F-bomb for the first time made it so worth it. Yes. <laughs> Huron yes. X Bearcat says, everyone gives Ian too much crap. I don't necessarily agree with him a lot of the time, but Ian brings to light more dialogue than the entire comment section. Keep it up, Ian, you silly goose. Thanks, dog. The things <laughs> the, the things we don't like, semantic arguments. Yeah. The things we do like, Ian has a perspective that is very much outside of the, the typical culture war and often you know, presents things that no one on the left or right is actually addressing in a certain issue. I like talking about semantics. If we agree beforehand, let's discuss a word, what it means, what it used to mean, what it could mean, that kind of stuff. But using it in the middle of a discussion is kind of uh, underhanded. Yeah, when it feels circular. Thank you. It's All right. very strong. Just look out. Hank Hokage Hill says, why don't you use Rumble? You promote it a lot. It would get a lot of people to sign up and overall get more people off YouTube. Love you guys. I'm working on we it. Use, we use Rumble for we – put, we put everything on Rumble that we put everywhere else. Um, I don't think the full VOD version of this goes on Rumble, though, unless we are we have to move it over. And the issue is, I've I've explained it a bit. It's simple. Before I mention it, I'll also read Storyman Jack, who says Tim is a coward. Calls for us to quit our jobs in protest, but jumps like an apoplectic toad when YouTube grunts. Hypocrisy much? No, no. Um, my point is, as it's always been, for one, your I respect your opinion. If you think that's the case, um, I will stand by saying YouTube is the biggest platform. I do not think it makes sense for large and prominent personalities to retreat from the central battlefield of ideas for some principled reason. I agree with principled reasons if it's like you work for a company and they're doing something really bad. 
um, and you're like, I don't want to do that thing for you. On YouTube, we're doing the opposite of bad thing. We are calling out bad thing. We're calling out the problems and we're using the most powerful and prominent platform to one, address those issues and then also create a pathway to alternates. We shout out the Daily Wire frequently because I, I think what they're doing is, is equally as important, creating alternate paths. We shout out parallel economy. We use them. We use rumble infrastructure. My point is when I say don't cancel your Disney or Netflix, if you really want to go ahead. I don't expect people to abandon the establishment machine where it provides for them in certain ways. We have to create a machine that does better. So simply put, when when Jordan Peterson got suspended on Twitter, I said, I think he should delete the tweet and then go after Twitter on their own platform and use it to the best of his abilities. I don't think you accomplish much by, you know, it, it, it would be like being in a battlefield taking some casualties and then being like, all right, that's it. We've got everybody retreat. There's no point in being here. Or do you pull a Mel Gibson, grab the flag and go, no, 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 keep going, keep going, keep going. It's not perfect. There's no simple solutions. If you can work at a company that's doing bad things, but you are completely able to push back and reverse that, then you shouldn't quit. You, you're having a positive impact. So this, 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 this is what I think is important. Maximizing central battlefield to the best of our abilities so that YouTube continually promotes these conversations to regular people. And then we can create paths to a whole bunch of personalities. To put it even more simply, you may not like that we use YouTube, but how else do we get the likes of Alex Jones and Steve Bannon in front of regular people when they've been banned? We still have an, an ability for regular people to see things. Who was it that made that super chat? What was his name or her name? Uh, Storyman Jack. Shout out Storyman Apopleptic Toad. Is that the word? The metaphor? Yeah. I like it. That's, That's very good. good. It's very good. good. Um, but I will also say, I will read your comments if you think I'm wrong, because like, I think that's what actually makes the show good. So feel free to throw shade my way, and I'll give you my thoughts on it. And uh, far from perfect. Battlefield I, I retreat's create, a cool I, conversation, because sometimes you do want to retreat from a battle, even one maybe that you're winning, because you can pull the enemy into an ambush. Sometimes... When you start to take fire, you cannot retreat. You have to keep pushing. Guys, otherwise, your whole unit's going to get wiped out. I legit tried. I hit up my ad agency and said, we want a big Times Square billboard saying Twitter protects pedophiles. And they said, no. They said, it can't in any way be related to that concept. And I was like, okay, well, we'll figure something else out. I would have, because I would have loved to do that. That's the kind of thing that, that I want. I want to, I want to buck the system using, I want, I want to be in their faces. I want people in Times Square to see us next to Coca-Cola. That's the point. We are telling them you are not the elites anymore. We are displacing them, and we are doing what we can to make that a reality. I just want to say one thing about that. That's like, you know, using the system to buck the system rather than trying to recreate an alternative system to buck that system. It's it's, it's a little like, bit of both. And, and, well, yeah, but, I mean, like, still using the tool there it's like taking the thing apart from the inside which is how any nation or anything else kind of collapses it's not it's usually not just outer forces you use the 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 mechanism itself i just think um it is it is a complicated culture war it is yeah it's like if you armed a slave rebellion with weapons from the very empire it's rebelling against you know they still they're empirical weapons but the slaves will use them to overthrow the empire I just think, you know, I, I have to wonder, you know, it's like there's a lot of people who want us all to work for free. 
And I'm like, it's a weird concept to have people who identify as like capitalists be like, but you should give me free stuff. You know what I mean? Like we, we do most of the stuff we make is free. Yeah, but it requires energy and time. That's not free. So no, it's I mean, a free I mean, product like, for the person. Most like anybody can watch this show completely for free. You know what I mean? As long as they have an internet connection, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like, we are not charging people to watch this live show. This is, yeah, this is a problem I've run into. I put every single one of my documentaries I've done out for free. But then every time I want to make a new documentary, it's always I have to, it takes forever to try to fund again. It's Mm -hmm. a whole challenge. And I don't know if I can make another one next time. So, yeah, being able to fund your work makes it continually possible. But you have to charge something. Like, it's... There's something we pointed out in the membership yesterday I think is important for people to understand as well. Right now, we have thirty about 32,000 concurrent viewers, and we are streaming at 6,200 kilobits per second. Multiply that by 32,000, and that's how much kilobits is going down. That bandwidth cost is insane. YouTube's giving that to us for free. This is what people need to understand. We mm-hmm. would not be able to do this show without free service. Rumble does offer free service, but my, my thing is, can we, can we build up Rumble's audience by telling people on YouTube about Rumble or do we just stop informing the largest platform? It's, there's no simple answer. Not everyone's going to be happy, I guess. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's read some more. All right. Razio uh, says, I swore myself never to do another super chat to save money, but this is important. Tim, Lydia, I implore you to get Michael Yan on the show. He was on JBP's podcast. He went into detail of what's in store this fall. A caveat, 1 billion deaths by 2025. Uh-oh. Stuart just inhaled a little bit of uh, fancy it's, it's Petron a bit strong. It's, a strong. it's good for your brachial track. He inhaled the, the fancy drink Lauren made. Mm-hmm. It's oh, going to slowly work it out of your vocal it. cords now. I feel better. Aspiration. <laughs> exactly. I felt like doing that the first tip I took, too. It's funny that they call it aspiration when you breathe in liquids, but they also call being in spot. No, asp- aspiration is like a thing you can have. Aspirational, yeah. yeah. Aspergers. <laughs> Triton says, I am now a believer in Tim's fifth generational warfare hypothesis. It's obvious that the CCP is attempting to win the hearts and minds of 75 million Americans. Long live Chicken Ian. You guys saw the Wikipedia change in the definition of recession? No. I didn't see what they changed. It wasn't that Wikipedia did it. It's that there was a, an edit battle between people over what recession was. And then some higher ranking Wikipedia person locked it so you couldn't change it anymore. That is the fifth generational warfare. That mm. there's, a, there's a battle over reality. And they're changing definitions. Literally, Miriam Webster changed the definition of female to be the opposite of male. Like, it's not even a definition. Mm. Or true. Yeah, if there's no definition of male, then what does the opposite of male mean? Yeah, what? We need to tell Matt Walsh to make what is a man. I think <laughs> that uh, – is it not – okay, I think it's kind of obvious that there is a recession happening right now. And it doesn't – you don't have to wait to be told. Like, just live your life accordingly. Is that – But Pelosi doesn't agree. Oh, she doesn't? No. Okay. Zach Dar says, the guests were so low energy the show already sucked – Two, Tim loves to tell everyone how they're supposed to take a stand while always bending the knee to YouTube and giving excuses. You know what, man? Like, I think if anybody spent one day trying to run this company, they would be like, you're an insane person. You should quit. This is nuts. Why would you do this? Like, I don't think people understand what it takes to make all of this possible. And so, um, you know, look, I'll read your comments and I'll read your criticisms. I, I respect that. But I think that the challenge is, People don't see what it's like to, you know, wake up at 7 a.m. and work until midnight, Monday through Friday, 
And then on weekends, that's when I get to go to the bank and file paperwork and drop off checks. So it's just like, it's, 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 it's sometimes, you know, what's the point is the question, right? If you're going to get this many people who are like, you should be giving us the content for free. You shouldn't expect us to pay for it. You're bending the knee. We don't respect your strategies. And I'm just like, then why am I fighting for you? Yeah. I mean, anytime you get criticisms like, Hey, this person that I'm not lifting a finger to be involved with is doing something I don't like. Like, okay, do it then, dude. But the reality is like, do it yourself. Obviously there are far few haters than there are people who support the work we're doing for sure and i wonder what a high energy uh guest would be it's and not we're not doing <laughs> we're not doing enough not, uh, yeah. jumping jacks they're not talking no, no, about, they're not talking about you talking about last night uh, i could tell you thought they were talking about you when they i was like we, yeah and, I, and we I, took it personally i was about to start doing calisthenics to, to do you want to fight arm wrestling <laughs> all right let's see let's grab some more super chats L says, Lauren, I watched the whole truth and I was honestly blown away. My question to you is, if you can stay out of the hot seat, could there be more about the stars of the right that you interacted with that you'll put out? Um, the, the whole truth wasn't about like exposing people's like personal problems or this person did that drug or this person slept with that hooker. It was literally just about the situations I encountered that kind of led me to be blackpilled about politics and then realizing it wasn't really about this whole movement, realizing you know, people are flawed and you can't put your faith in man. You can't put it in these other people. You have to put it in the ideas. You have to put it in God, something bigger than yourself. So it was just kind of my political journey. It wasn't about exposing the stars of the right. Um, that just was something that, that, that were experiences I had. So I don't want it to be about who were the good guys and the bad guys. Everyone loves a bit of juicy gossip, of course, but that wasn't the point of the video. But I'm glad you liked it. I appreciate that. Also, one thing I've always made a point of is... Tim, I didn't talk about you in the whole truth at all because you were just a damn hard worker the whole time. Like you were just saying, you worked freaking harder than anyone I knew during that 2016 to now period. You're one of the few people. Okay, simping too hard, but yeah, I think you earned it all. I think you. I don't. I don't. I I don't know. I mean, like when whenever there was like a big story, we like I'm going to cover the same story you were going to cover. Like there was a similar beat, but I don't think when it came to like working. I think the reason you had stuff to talk about with other people is that you worked with them. We never really, like... Yeah, we were in, like, the same area. I was talking about this. When you, like, your whole job is traveling the world and you're, like, 20, you, it's hard to make a community. So you just kind of have these people that you brush shoulders with that are in the same area all the time. Right. It's you, like, oh, there was Marcus, a riot. I'm going to go Luke. there and then you're there. And Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I definitely was more working with this kind of dissident right that existed and you kind of escaped a lot of that drama because you were doing your own thing you truly were independent of these movements at that time we got the quartering he says thanks for faking the issue last night so i could grift like a maniac (laughs) and thanks to your viewers who tuned in everything is back to normal now sips delicious nondescript drink jeremy we have an event coming up that we're we're planning in austin and uh we should definitely get a bunch of coffee brand coffee to uh serve at the event that would be that would be really great Please send me some to the house or something because we should, I want to drink it. We should figure something out so it's like all of the attendees. So uh, I'm not going to say too much because I don't want to call. In, I don't. Wanna, I don't. I don't want to generate a hot seat for anybody. But there's someone I know who's got like a burger shop in Austin. We're going to have them provide the burgers if possible, and then we're playing. We're planning a, a, a live IRL event. So when is it? I don't want to say just yet because okay. we're still planning. But the idea is. We would do the show on stage live for an extended period. The speakers 
would be rotating guests who would come in for about like an hour and then leave. And then we would do like a really long show for like five hours. So we'll Wait, have coffee did you say on there's stage. a barbecue? And then, no, the idea is to bring in, like, give everyone burgers. Okay. Because it's, like, going to be a long event. If so there's burgers. Yeah. <laughs> people will and come. And then we, we could have coffee brand coffee there. Are there coffee brand coffee <laughs> Keurig pods yet? Make them. You know what we should do? We should get uh, Krigler coffee and coffee brand yes. coffee. And then, you know, people can choose which one they they. they, they oh, my gosh. Drink. We'll set up a few Keurigs on the stage. Yeah. Maybe get a coffee pot in case you want to brew some fresh beans. French press. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I love in Brazil? They have these things, the pa- uh, pau de queijo. Mm. You ever have those? Yeah. They're so good. Yeah. I want Cheesy bread. Like, yeah. It's it's like bread Potato with bread. cheese in it. They bake it. Mm. So yeah. it's like the bread has cheese in it. Mm. Like, it's not like the bread you open and you can see cheese. No, like the, the cheese is part of the flour. That's nice. So my my wife like, tried to redo it with phyllo dough. It's, it's, it's a weird recipe, too, the way they make it. It's phyllo dough. Nice. <clears throat> phyllo dough is kind of like croissants. It oh. comes apart in flakes. Oh, yeah. I'm loving all of the super chats about uh, Bucko. <laughs> he looks like he's sitting on my lap. He's still out there. I, we, we, we gave him the boot. He's right outside the door are waiting. You, are you sure? Yeah, he's la- he was when I went out there. Yeah. <laughs> Curled up. <laughs> he wanted to come in here. I mean, he wants to be on the show yeah, now. I think vibe. he really liked it. He came in here during the member-only member episode once, and everybody loved him so much. He's probably like, ooh, this is nice. We've been bonding. He's like, I don't know what's going on here, but everyone keeps loving me. Yeah. Dave, uh, David... Setliff says treats for the Bucko cast IRL. Bucko, you're a superstar. That's right. That's right. All right, let's go, let's let's grab some more super chats. A lot of people pointing out states can't deport people. We have um, L Galucard or LG Alucard says states can't deport people. Only feds can. Convincing rally says Tim, immigration is a federal issue. States cannot deport people out of the country. This is 100% the right move. But can the feds give the states the then authority? I agree, I agree. Like deputize them? Well. I don't know. But if they can't, then you are, I stand corrected, and it is the right move to send them to D.C. and New York. Like, let them deal with the issue. The only problem is they're not going to deport anybody. They're just like, okay, fine. Well, it's, it's almost better keeping them in states where you're going to have judges that are, you know, not going to be so biased towards progressivism. What if they sent them to Alaska, but then the bus got lost halfway up through Canada? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> that would suck. It's like, hey, got on this bus to D.C., and the driver's going like, whoops, I accidentally turned towards Mexico. <laughs> All right. Liam Madden says, Vermont's very close election means your support makes a huge difference to elect Congress's first anti-two-party pro-Second Amendment, economically populist USMC vet who led USA's largest anti-war organization of Iraq vets. Check out, oh, I think, uh, check out Liam Madden. Learn more at rebirthdemocracy.com. Uh, good luck, man. I'm hearing that they're saying New Hampshire might go Democrat for the Senate. And I'm like, that's crazy to me. All those free staters up there in Vermont would go Democrat. You got people with flamethrowers up there. They're going to vote to ban their own flamethrowers. Right, so there's just not enough free staters in New Hampshire, man. Okay, let's see. Grab some super jits. Linda Tarleton says, first live and first day as a Timcast member. What is it? It's a, a sham, S-A-H-M for IRL. What is that? I don't know this. But thank you for being a member. All right. Let's see. <laughs> Lior Engelstein says, Tim, you reported fake news yesterday. At around 12 minutes in your China video, you said that Biden had a two hour long conversation with China. How are we supposed to believe he was cognizant for that long? That's a fair point. Like he's like, she, it's Joe Biden. And then she is like, starts talking. I have many things to say to you, Joe. And then Joe's like, And then she just talks for two hours yelling at Biden. 
And then, like, finally, I was like, oh, 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 yeah, okay. I don't think Biden was cognizant. Do you see that uh, that that video where it's like every every sentence is, is it's cut? I swear that's a deep fake. Mm. Uh, did you see it yet? No, I didn't. Have you seen it? It's so honestly weird. every Biden. I haven't watched a Biden video that isn't, you know, atrocious to this point. So like everyone keeps coming out with all these articles. They're like, oh, look how funny Biden is being. And I'm like, okay, it's like that's a Tuesday. What? There's this, <laughs> We're like, still laughing at this? this 15 second video of like four or five different four second clips or something like that. And his eyes are really round and like black and they don't blink or move. And his voice sounds deep. It just mm. seems like a deep mm. fake. Benny Johnson posted something where there's there's two Bidens, one buggy eyed Biden and the other one sleepy yeah. Joe. I think the buggy I just think eyed is, a, different is a clip from that video. I, no, I, I think they just pre recorded some of them. You know what I mean? Like early in the morning with his morning voice. I think the Kamala Maybe. ones are funnier, where she's like repeatedly going over the exact same concept. Uh, what was the... The predictive she, text generator? Yeah, yeah. She just keeps saying the same thing over and over again in different creative ways. And I'm like, yeah. holy, you're bad at this, Carolyn. No, and you're supposed to be bad the cognizant at one. Bad at it. I mean, it seems to be working to a certain degree. They're 30-something percent approval Keep rating. them confused. Keep yeah. them running she in circles. AI. All right. Chrome Leader says, as a Texan, I agree that what our governor is doing is not the best tactic, but our hands have been tied. At this point, it's malicious compliance. Fair point, fair point. All right. The KT, uh, KL Tanker says Congress should have to pass a test on the bill, get a 85% or better, then they can vote on it. You know, That's it, so it, good. it is a good idea, but the problem is I think the system has become too cumbersome. The, the, the issue is when you had 35,000 people per district, they could go in and, and actually argue over a bill. Now it's seven hundred and what seventy five thousand people per district, and it's just people screaming at each other. Culture, uh, totally disparate cultures, no agreement you know on anything. The more I think about that, like if I can fail a math test in grade five and get held back a year, you should be able to fail the most important job in the country if you can't pass a test on what you do. Come on, <laughs> like yeah, I. I'm fully an advocate of, of hitting with a felony if they don't, but like, how do you guarantee they read the bill? I don't know. I don't yeah, even know. Yeah, just if like that's a really quick quiz. I've always thought about this for voting too, like a really quick quiz that's just like, hey, what is a Democrat and a Republican? Even just like an ABCD test or like, what, what are the candidates on your ballot that you're voting for? And you just, you put a few fake ones in there that are like Mr. Magoo or whatever. And if someone guesses that, their vote doesn't count because they don't even know who the hell they're voting for. What are you talking about for voters? No, vo- both. Our politicians and voters. Like there are so many things we could do to improve the system. I understand how it would be like, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're denying the right to vote for idiots, but. I'm, I mean, I'm in favor of that. <laughs> Let's read some more. We got Manifested Destiny says, Tim, please give a shout out to Eastern Kentucky. The floods have currently killed 20 people and it's expected to rise. Mm-hmm. Appalachian people had very little and they lost what they had. They need help. Yeah, man. Sad to hear it. This is brutal stuff. These floods are serious. Nuts. And additionally, Las Vegas. Yeah. Now, this is crazy. Vegas flooding? That freaked me out. Like, it's a desert. You think there's like... Hmm conspiracy to change the weather and screw other countries over by flooding them conspiracy there is a group of people screaming that the climate is changing harp i'm talking well no like can't the government (laughs) what is is clouds cloud seeding is that what they call it where they can actually like change the weather a bit cloud seeding is real yeah Yeah, silver iodide or or not even they they use lasers now yeah wilhelm reich was working on that in what what the 40s 50s oh my gosh that's 80 year old technology yeah for sure 
I think it's so cool. Like we they, could like attack other countries with hurricanes. Yeah, I hear <laughs> that's what people are telling me is that you can move hurricanes <laughs> with. I'm gonna. Water I want to read this one from CJ Dian. He says, "Tim, your moral compass is on point, and your head is on straight. I don't know about your guests, though. Uh, well, they're doing all right. But I was like, I did read some disparaging comments about me. I don't want to only be disparaging. Someone, you know, give Uh-oh. me some some uh, credit. I don't think they're talking about you guys, by the way. I could yeah. be wrong. No, they're Sarah, talking about me. I know. <laughs> well, this is important. Sarah uh, M says, "Will of the People" is on my repeat playlist. Perfect song. Would love to hear a cover of the Mariners' Revenge song. I feel like you would do it well. We have like 30% of a music video done. The song we're going to be releasing first is called Only Ever Wanted. And it is Carter, our, our music producer, just hit this one. It's a, it's a home run for sure. I was shocked when I heard it because I write songs like typically write an acoustic guitar and it's like folk rock acoustic. And then he took it. The song is weirdly mostly backwards, like the instrumentation. And he made this really amazing song. So we're going to be releasing that. Um, we've got a couple other songs we're going to be releasing as well. We should have an album coming out August 21st. I think it will have eight or nine songs on it. We do have like 30 or 40 in the pipeline. But in this day and age, I don't know if that makes sense anymore. Releasing albums. We were actually thinking of just like putting out singles when they were ready. And then I was like, well, maybe we'll do that anyway. But um, we're going to have uh, Only Ever Wanted out really soon. I think maybe even in like could be in a week or two. No, it's going to be, I think, in like two or three weeks. Because we're finishing the music video, uh, not this weekend, but the next weekend. And so that's going to be really cool. I like the idea of doing a song every time it's ready. And then when the ninth song is done, you release an album with all nine songs on it. We could do that. I was just going to say uh, what some music groups are doing is they'll record, they'll, they'll release like six or seven singles and then have a little grace period and then an album with like 10 or 11 songs new ones yeah well i mean 10 or 11 songs including that That's original cool. six so you you put out the ones as they're coming out and then you release a full album with a few more extra songs yeah tool took like 17 years to put out their newest album same That's... with the perfect circle Uh oh yeah. i gotta read this one we read the uh liam madden uh, super chat someone responded Exactly says the Liam Liam Madden, Madden guy supports red flag laws, abortion, and expanded gun control. Vermonters, please don't vote for him. Ooh, it's getting spicy in the super chat. All right, last one from Iris with a. Um, I will uh, give you a preliminary. Congratulations, Iris. As I found out today, I'm pregnant with my first child. Longtime listener and member, love the show. Congratulations, and uh, thank you for the shout out. And uh, good luck. Best of luck. Uh, we'll write we'll get one more here. Simo Labit says, put out a song every week. That's what Russ did. And he said it launched his career. Well, it takes longer to finish the songs. We could finish a bunch of songs and then put out one every week. Um, but we're also like filming music videos for them. We were changing the, the strategy a bit. I suppose I was talking about how we had this big plan for a bunch of the songs that was going to follow will of the people. And for a variety of reasons, we decided to, Pick different songs, which have different themes and uh, different styles, I guess. But uh, there's one song I'm really excited for that I think act- I'm wondering. So Only Ever Wanted, we've like showed it to people and they've all just been like, wow, this is the best song ever. And I'm like probably assuming they're just blowing smoke and they're just saying that. But it, I think it's good. I personally like it. And it's very different from my normal style of songs. But the song we have, Genocide, I think might actually end up getting hot, more play because it's political. And so in this day and age, like Tom McDonald, for instance, like when you hear his lyrics that mean something to you, people love it. 
So Only Ever Wanted is just like a typical song. But um, the song we have, Genocide, is actually directly about like media manipulation, conflict, and stuff like that. So I imagine people will hear the lyrics to that one and probably get into it more. We'll see. My friends, if you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, and share the show if you do like it. You can follow us at Timcast IRL basically everywhere. You can follow me personally at Timcast. And you can support our work directly at TimCast.com with uncensored episodes of the TimCast After Hours show and new episodes of Tales from the Inverted World, Cast Castle, full episodes. They're going to be like 20 to 30 minutes long. Those will be coming up soon. We're just figuring it out. So thanks for your support. Ben, you want to shout anything out? Just go to BenJosephStewart.com. I'm making mini documentary style news segments every single week of everything from Lambda, Google's uh, large language model thing being sentient. Uh, to anything you'll find in the news, I, I follow a lot of what you do, Tim, and just kind of take it down a rabbit hole, like an alternative rabbit hole. So if you're into that, go to BenJosephStewart.com. Hi, Lauren Southern here, still alive, still sober-ish. Uh, you can follow <laughs> me at Lauren underscore Southern, or just look at my name on the YouTubes to follow my channel. I'm Ian Crossland. Lauren, that was a great call with the Grand Patron, a little bit of Manuka honey. Of course. So just yeah. a tiny bit, man. That's sweet goodness on my Save throat. Save the bees. Yeah, <laughs> that's that. the last thing I'll say. Bye, everyone. I love you so much. I will see you next Monday. No, actually, I'll see you next Tuesday. I will yeah. not be here next Monday. Yep. We got a big, we got a big Ohio. show on Monday. We got a big guest coming up. I wish I was going to be here, but I'm I'm going to take a take a weekend off and go refresh my mind and see some family. I'm very excited. Love you all. See Thank you later. Thank you guys all very much for tuning in. You guys can follow me on Twitter and minds.com at sarapatchlets as well as sarapatchlets.me. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. We will see you all. We're going to have clips from the show up on the weekend we normally do. And then we'll be back on Monday. Thanks for hanging out.